took last week off because it was my birthday. However, I did record a show. We did another live with uh, Anthony from Encounters Down Under and Grant Levac. Grant's working on the, you would say, the bureaucratic side of things to do with the UAP stuff, and he's very deep in the rabbit hole. He talks to us about the the documentary that's upcoming. He talks to us about uh, where everything is as far as the Australian government's concerned and his views on the US government. We covered everything off on this topic. I'm actually glad that uh, we waited because things evolved and, and it got a little more ridiculous with the UAP stuff out of the States. And having Grant on a couple of weeks later was excellent. I love sitting down with these boys. It was a really in-depth, varied conversation. We covered so much. All right? We even ended up in the paranormal because I do think that's part of this stuff, right? And, and get those boys' thoughts on it, which was a really interesting discussion. Not too sure what I'm going to use for music as I as I record this. However, look forward to it. It's always good. Really appreciate everyone's time. Welcome to all the new listeners. Thank you very much for your support to all the old ones. Look after yourselves. Be kind. Be cool. Engage discipline. And we'll talk soon. Cheers. Suffocate with suffocated daily making all bubble Subtle is the cuddle of the snake that squeezes Hate to see this matrix seizes Maybe we just need to pull the plug Drain the system poison out of body You've been probably overdosing most of your life And never noticed the beloved of the cups And come and dosing no one's up and no emotion Of the gulf in this dimension here We work all day and is there always a thinking crystal clear Everything we do revolves around the dollar count It's all around us, all the ground We're falling down and knocks you out Get off the couch, it's all think out the top Spouses got your pals, you call the council, got no ants evolving out in small amounts. It's all we have, it's all planned out for our defeat. Water down the modern man and bottle love. So we have no intuition of a vision that it's all corrupt. Oh, I know we met our vision, it bought me always been forgotten. We're sick of our thoughts and living in boxes, now let's go. Find all of those outreaches, forgotten the beaches to walk on the tree top to modify pieces of part of a school. Find out what's been making you take, but didn't face it with criticism, awaken your inhibitions. Slow lie down, you better leave your belongings, you'll start receiving your callings and be unleashing from bondages. A way to get out, our minds are polluted, find a solution, life illusion. Portrayed every day in our face, we do what they say, they use us away. Pollution can take, conducing our brains, we choose to escape, to do what they make. You wear it on your face, I can see the burden on your shoulders heavy. And it's getting unrelenting, you're frowning from how hard the world strains you with stress. It depresses, confess, it's just a system as a hope that puts you in scenarios you never chose. It's not your fault that every known element in your life is in control. Everything but not your soul, so this can be some therapy, some psychedelic clarity. Don't fight between polarities, go where it will not go. Slide between the barricades, it's nice to be 
aware of things It's kind of like some kerosene Lighten up the world It's a poisonous system You didn't invent this prison So who'd you be when it's all out? Everything you think needs to go now Defeat the people that hold down You from beating you blow out Your brain cloud Become new and escape now Take Route 86, escape now Gonna lay down Everything you learned Everything you know Everything they ever told you Been a poison from your soul Bringing it out Bringing it out If it is about A way to get out Our minds are polluted Find a solution Life illusion Protect everything in our base We do they say The use is a way Pollution can take And do to our brains We choose to escape Do what they make Do what they make People beyond People beyond waking up to the people we need to be. 2004. Beat by Cumulus. Oh, it's a shocking eruption of great electrical energy. I feel, I feel connected to all living things, to flowers, to some special spirit, and even to some great. Unseen living force. Uh, good evening, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I had the pleasure tonight of welcoming Grant and Anthony back to the show. We're not too sure whose platform we're doing it on, but I organised this one, so they, they made me do the intro. Uh, so, Grant, Anthony, how are you, boys? G'day, g'day. G'day. That? Well g'day, done. fellas, well, doing well. I think we could make myself a producer here doing this sort of stuff. You beauty, Mate, three you, amigos. You, you almost, <laughs> you almost look like you know what you're doing. There you go. That's better. <laughs> that's a bit better, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Almost yeah. got there. That's all right. <laughs> it's good to no see mistakes, you guys again, mate. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's absolutely, we haven't spoken. I know we haven't spoken this year, have we? Officially on the shows? No. No, it's been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Mm, you know, no, time flies well. when there's uh, plenty of news going on. Yeah, nothing's yeah, happened. Well yeah, yeah. No, nothing's <laughs> happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so look, we, we tried originally to get Grant on the uh, the first show we did, me and Anthony, a couple of weeks back. However, we twisted his arm and here he is tonight. So we, we wanted to start talking about the documentary, man, because there was some really interesting stuff that you posted on socials about that. And you know, where's the documentary at? What What's the latest on the doco? Yeah, so I guess for a bit of background for your, um, your listeners and, and viewers, um, so... Um, you know, veteran UAP researcher or UFO researcher in Australia, Keith Basterfield, who I've, um, who's really uh, been a great mentor for me in terms of submissions of a lot of uh, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests, and and uh, I'm just you know diving into a lot of the research that he's done over the years because he's been an advocate for this topic for many, many, many decades, uh, and I de- developed a really good relationship with him, and and he. He actually recommended me for, uh, he put my name forward for this this documentary that's due to come out soon called um, Close Encounters Down Under. And mm. so um, the producers reached out to me uh, and invited me to participate, sit down with them for an interview to talk about uh, really my driving force, which is uh, you know a- advocating for the Australian government and Australian Department of Defence to, to take this topic seriously and uh, and and explore some of the avenues that I've been pursuing through uh, Freedom of Information uh, Act, as well as engaging my elected representatives, namely uh, Senator Wish, Peter Wish Wilson, Wish, Wish Wilson, who's the senator for uh, for Tasmania. So, mm. so I was invited to participate. Uh, the interview was a while back now; it was in uh, June, July of last year, and uh, the release date hasn't been confirmed yet for Australia. I understand it's going to air on seven mate. Uh, at some stage this year, uh, it's already aired 
for, for any of your listeners or, or viewers that are in the UK, if they subscribe to Blaze TV, uh, they can watch it there. And there's six episodes, uh, all uniquely um, different uh, and some really cool subject matter experts. And uh, so I was privileged to provide my perspectives on uh, the, the, the the deep dive that I've been doing on um, trying to engage my elected representatives and and uh, exercise my right to information by requesting Freedom of Information Act requests. So mm. uh, don't so have an air date so as of yet. Yeah, that's okay. Well, look, we'll, we'll keep everyone updated through all our platforms because I think it's an important thing for sure. Uh, however, what um, so where is the Wish Wilson thing at? Where do we because I know I signed that petition and whatever that we did that a little while ago. When was that? Yes, yeah, so, 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 uh, you know, sadly, uh, still Senator Peter Wish Wilson is the only Australian senator that has, uh, you know, uh, raised the issue of UFOs, UAP in an Australian context. No other, no other senators have uh, have publicly voiced. Their uh, their concern or their support for uh, for Senator Wish Wilson's advocacy, which is a bit disappointing, but it's also promising to see that Senator Peter Wish Wilson is still championing the effort and the conversation, trying to advance and elevate the conversation in Australian uh, Australian Parliament. And so on the um, the fifteenth of February, uh, so what's that? You know, less than a month ago, uh, there was the the Senate estimates hearing where. Senators basically convene to um, assess and evaluate taxpayer spending on on um, on you know, government projects to see if taxpayer money is being uh, properly properly utilised and so on. And so he um, again pressed the the current chief of Air Force Air Marshal Robert Chipman on uh, you know had he chief of Air Force Air Marshal Robert Chipman read the uh, ODNI's. 2022 annual report on UAP, which he had, um, and uh, what was being done about UAP in Australian context following the uh, timely events that um, occurred across the pond, our brothers and sisters in the US, uh, first time in 65 years, NORAD was ordered to shoot down um, uh, a Chinese spy balloon and three unidentified aerial objects. So uh, yeah, the old balloon gate. So yeah. Senator Wish Wilson didn't really get uh, a ton of um, valuable information from the, the Chief of Air Force. So there's, I suspect, quite a few questions on notice that he's going to submit. And there's a follow-up Senate estimates hearing scheduled in May. So okay. I suspect uh, he'll have quite a few more questions um, at, that, um, at that hearing. But uh, well, good some, on some good interesting, on interesting that. exchanges in that February Senate estimates, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. At least it's moving forward. And what's so, going what, what, what was... Has he got any um, yeah. sort of uh, positive feedback from other senators to try and encourage them to sort of back him up on this? So there have been a few that have. Uh, so Katie Gallagher, who's um, a senator for ACT, I believe, or, or Canberra, she has, she has publicly. Um, noted her support for Senator Wish Wilson's efforts really on uh, in in correspondence uh, that a, um, a, a a fellow advocate of mine reached out to uh, Katie Gallagher and and uh, asked that she take the uh, the topic of UAP seriously and had some questions about around well what is what is the Australian Department of Defense doing about UAP and Senator Katie Gallagher Gallagher um, uh, you know, rightly and kindly 
escalated that inquiry that she received from her constituent. Uh, and that got um, that got escalated to the Minister for Defence and Deputy Prime Minister Richard Miles. And uh, so that individual uh, received a response from the Deputy Prime Minister, Minister for Defence, Richard Miles, on UAP. And that's been, I guess, the 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 highest uh, the highest level response. of correspondence that yeah. uh, a member of the uh, the general public or an Australian taxpayer has received to date on on UAP. So so mm. she has she is one. Uh, there's a few others that I have um, engaged, reached out to that again have. Uh, in email correspondence, stated that they support the efforts of Senator Wish Wilson, but they're not prepared to, uh, you know, carry the torch alongside him and, and ask questions. They're happy for him to drive the conversation and, and effort in uh, in Senate estimates. So, yeah, I so I'll put my feelers out. Sorry, mate. So I'll put my well, feelers out there to my local senators and that, and I've got nothing back on that. And like, as much as you like, no. you're trying to encourage other people to try and do the same thing there but i sort of feel like it's still a brick wall at this point like no one's interested no one no senators want to go and risk their careers to go and go down a taboo sort of topic you know it's quite difficult yeah. to try and get across that barrier so yeah. Like, what, yeah. how can we do this with with such hard up on this you know look i think i think the um you know consistent persistence is the um is is the key uh just keep you know ch chiseling away because uh, it, it took me a while to engage uh, I mean even though Senator Wish Wilson was was active on the topic and having a conversation it, it took me a while before I was able to um, have successful ongoing engagement with with him and there are a few others that I've had uh, ongoing correspondence with but it's not at the same caliber as Senator Wish Wilson and so I, I think, sadly, you're right, Anthony. I think there's still this feeling that if they touch the subject, it's political suicide. So I think there's yeah. still very much a, a a fear of you know an air of stigma around the uh, the subject. Um, so what made so what made Wish Wilson move forward with it? What did you present him with evidence, or what's made him yes, champion this thing? It's a good question. So he's um he's a former military man. So he's a former army. And uh, he first raised this issue uh, on the 27th of October of 2021 at the Senate estimates hearing where he then he pressed the then Chief of Air Force Air Marshal Mel Hupfield on UAP. And that was less than six months. That was only a, only a few months after the ODNI released its preliminary yeah, assessment acknowledgement, on UAP. Acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah, the acknowledgement. Yeah, so I, I suspect that his background as, uh, as a former member of the Australian Defence Force uh, and the fact that he um, he's a member of the Greens, which is a fairly progressive party, you know that was a topic that he was interested to pursue and get some uh, you know follow the data driven assessments that our friends across the pond, the US, were making, and mm. uh, and and find out well what is Australia doing about UAP? What is Australia doing to you know mitigate the safety of flight risk that UAP clearly pose to mm. um, you know um, you know military aviators and pilots and, and personnel in the US. Uh, so so he, he had championed this effort long before I had even engaged him and I was fortunate. Really? That, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was actually because of his um, uh, engagement on this topic, advancing, you know, elevating the conversation on the topic, it, mm. it was really just um, happenstance. The timing was right because I, throughout COVID, uh, that's what really 
you know, it got me into yeah, that's the, the that's the part. rabbit hole you fell in, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of deep dived on the topic, and there was um there was a, a citizen advocacy um, and activism event called the Big Phone Home, which we've talked about before, but it was a uh, an all day uh, you know several days. It's been uh, done over a couple of years, um, a live stream event where um, you know our our friends across the pond were encouraging. Um, you know, members members of the general public to engage their senators and uh, and elected representatives in in the U.S. And so I thought, well, why cannot we apply, why can't we apply that same model and and way of thinking uh, in Australia? So, mm. and there weren't many uh, that were keen to kind of advocate for the topic in Australia, members of the public. So I kind of took it upon myself to get off my ass and get in the game and start asking yep. some questions. And since then, thankfully, a lot of other folks um, have, have followed suit. So we're yeah, starting Mike, to get um, a bit of army of folks that are asking questions and demanding answers. Well, so. we need answers, don't we? we? We should say a special good day to Big B Media and Colleen and uh, Brian Baz and Nicolia. No, I've, I've messed that up. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, those that just uh, contributing in the comments are very good, you know, and I think – it, the comments are sort of reflecting the conversation we're having, which is really good. I mean, the thing is, like, obviously, great show I did with Grant. I've done a few with Anthony. There's a lot of backstory. Anthony's podcast is an excellent resource. Grant's YouTube channel is an excellent resource. However, for those maybe tuning in, and don't give away the documentary, but what cases did they choose? What's one or two cases that they chose to focus on? So um, they've they looked at a few, um, and so the episode that I'm featured in uh, is very much Victoria focused. So Melbourne and Victoria focused. Um, I believe they touch on Westall. Uh, Bill yeah. Chalker talks about some of the the historical cases that um, he has been involved in uh, in in New South Wales. Not having seen any of the actual episodes myself yet. Um, I don't know to what extent, you know, and which cases are, are covered. I've only seen come, some of the the, the synopses, mm. uh, but but certainly I believe Westall is uh, is is discussed in uh, in the documentary. Yeah, Westall is probably the the is the most fascinating one uh, with the most witnesses, isn't it? I mean, you can still go there now uh, and view the yeah. paddock, can't you? Yeah. I actually want to take a trip out there. I still haven't been there yet. I live in Melbourne now, and um, Westall is only about a forty-five minute drive from me. So I'm oh, keen to. Um, I know. I've, we need. We need a selfie. We need. Get off my selfie. Get get out there for for a live stream or something. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I think the Grange is still out there, even though it's uh, it's kind of uh, been you know developed quite significantly since 1966. Mm. Uh, but um, that's that's for me. That is definitely the the most um uh you know the, the case that has the most unanswered questions mm. uh that is probably the most significant um cold case and mass sighting not just in australia but i would say mm. uh in in you know most of the um the the developed countries of the world um mm. and and actually that's not entirely true because it's probably on par it's it's comparable with that of the the aerial school sighting in or the aerial school case in Zimbabwe, where you had also yeah, children, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, children that witnessed a, a landing and uh, uh, you know uh, allegedly beings. And whilst um, you you parallel there with Westall, you obviously had children, hundred up to a hundred children witness uh, you know 
anomalous something. objects. Yeah. And, yeah, something and and uh, something potentially land. But to this day, the the Royal Australian Air Force, Australian Department of Defence, has never provided a uh, an explanation that uh, a satisf satisfactory explanation as to what uh, what can be attributed to the Westall incident. And apparently, the the Department of Supply did an exhaustive uh, a comprehensive investigation and report on the Westall incident. But lo and behold, uh, that report has. Uh, disappeared it's vanished so no surprise there <laughs> they always do don't they they yeah. always do just for an update um now with the uh, westall area that they have dedicated a park for the actual encounter itself which they've got a bit of a ufo theme there mm -hmm. so i'm not sure, sure exactly where it is but i'm sure it's a park nearby the actual school and i know that shane ryan who uh, runs the facebook page for regarding the westall cases so people can go and contact him and talk to others regarding the sighting and that um, he holds an annual, I'm pretty sure it's annual, but he holds an annual event there for people to go and meet and greet and discuss the topic oh, okay. and whatnot. That's so um, for those who are unaware and in the area down that way, um, go and check it out. It should be coming up in a few weeks. Now, yeah, I think pretty soon, I think. Up, so yeah, a, go and check uh, it out. A reunion event um, and, and for folks that weren't involved in Westall that are keen to just learn more about it. So mm, yeah. um, I would love to get along to that if I, if I can uh, find the time for it. So Anthony, yeah, unfortunately, I know, we're two states away, so I can't get there. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, it did. So Anthony, I know you said you messed up your interview, but what did they talk to you about? Basically, it was just about my own experiences there and what I've sort of been involved with in the whole topic itself. Um, I did a horrible job on it. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> so I'm not even sure if I made the cut, to be honest. <laughs> so it's we'll it's all in the editing. Smoke and mirror. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope they made me look good at least. Yeah. <laughs> so um, honestly, you... they didn't give me much uh, info in regards to this. All I know is they wanted to, uh, to interview more people that had, had genuine sightings and had more evidence to sort of back it up. Mm. And... Um, unfortunately, from my point of view, like, I don't think there's much evidence out there that, that it could really hold as a real genuine sort of evidence because it's always just mm. that blinky little light in the sky or out-of-focus image, which gives no credibility to what these people are trying to explain. Not that I'm trying to discount right, anyone's yeah. experience, but it doesn't help the evidence in that case of what they're trying to describe. Oh, we if that we have sense. to remain so, objective. We have to remain That's objective. right. Uh, and I suppose... I know me and Anthony sort of touched on it, but I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well, Grant, because there, there has, does seem to be some genuine, like before we get to what didn't happen or did happen in the US a couple of weeks ago, uh, there seems to be an uptick in genuine sightings. Like I, mean, I know on the UFO page, on the Facebook page, there's probably been half a dozen where I've gone, that's interesting, you know, like whereas look, me and Anthony, we all want it to be UFOs. So do you, man. I know you do too. We all want it to be <laughs> UFOs, yeah. UFOs, man. Uh, however, it's not all the time. Um, and but there has been some genuine anomalous sightings. There has seems to be an uptick, and I, I wonder whether you think that's a that's a tech thing because of the the quality of the phones, or does there seem to be an uptick because with the or is it a consciousness thing because it's being brought up upwards in the zeitgeist, maybe. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it I think it could be a combination of those things. I mean, the 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 sheer fact that we all do have uh, you know a pretty powerful device at our fingertips, and we can point up at the sky and and take some uh, some pretty incredible you know video or photographic footage. Uh, you know, you can't you didn't have that technology in the 1950s, and when mm. they had you know some great still uh, camera photography, the McMinnville photo is one that you know always stands out for me. So the fact that we have that technology at our fingertips. It makes sense that the more phones that are on the planet, the more uh, you know, 
photographic and video uh, you know, footage you're going to have of objects in the sky. What those objects are, that's the that's the you know that's the million dollar question, isn't it? That we mm. want an answer to. It could be, uh, it could be noise, you know, um, uh, you know, flight balloons. traffic. It could be balloons. Could be atmospheric phenomena. It could be, you know, stars. Could be Venus. And but it also could be anomalous activity as well. So, mm. um, unfortunately, though, you know, as good as the iPhone and and you know Android phones are these days, they're not very good in low level light. And so you're obviously mm. not going to ever be able to get high fidelity, yeah, not, no, uh, high resolution yeah, imagery. So more often than not when, you know, and I've heard this repeated to me a number of times, if you do see something, you know, it's important that you try and um, take mental note or even write down as much information about mm. not just what you saw with your own eyes or even on your uh, on, on camera on your phone, but the mm. weather conditions, uh, description of, you know, the time, description of the, of the, the locale, um, get on a, a flight radar tracker and yourself with mm. there's plenty of free ones out there and you can actually uh, search to see what uh, general aviation or commercial or military traffic is in the area at that time. So mm. there's a lot of uh, things that you can do above and beyond just taking some footage on your phone to mm. kind of um, hopefully get some answers for you as to what you might be looking at. Yeah, so that's what sort of going to ask me, like, can you give us any sort of, personnel that have had an experience there with the evidence is that look there's not much i can really give you unfortunately because obviously it's everyone's own opinions on what they want to mm. see or feel they see and it's like well i can't give you anything genuine because there's nothing that's going to be credible enough to go and really say they've seen something that is genuine if that makes sense mm. yeah and so that's that's and, where and, the point point is when documentaries are trying to create something that's on the ufo topic it's just always something that's yeah i don't know it, it's it's frustrating on my end of things but Obviously, one and look as 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 um as exciting as it is to see um you know footage that gets posted on social media or there have been people that have reached out to me with footage and I know Ross is uh, inundated Ross Coulthard's inundated with people reaching out to him providing him with with footage but you know the the provenance of the of what you're capturing is really important so it's not just mm -hmm. about the visual and the audio it's also about the the background of the you know. The, the weather conditions, the geography, how did the footage come to you if it was provided by someone else, yeah. uh, you know, trying to capture as much supporting information around the incident as possible so mm. that you've got a looking at the, uh, you know, the, the data in its totality rather than just looking at audio and visual, which is yeah. very hard to, uh, to discern and, and identify and break down. Well, look, well, these, the these days say, there's nothing. Right. Yeah, there's nothing they can't, they can't uh, replicate or CGI these days. That's the problem, you know, it's, that's the issue. I mean, yeah, yeah. Look at look at what you're able to do with Chat GPT and deepfakes yeah. now. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 not unreasonable to think that there's a large um, there's a, la a large percentage of the footage that out uh, that is out there is either done for a done for a laugh or is a, mm. or is a hoax, which unfortunately just think, adds to the stigma around the well, topic. That's, yeah, I was going to say, what what percentage I wonder is disinformation as well? Because I mean, obviously, as the, as as the mm. as the sightings and as 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 I say, as it's rising in the zeitgeist, the curiosity and people wanting to know and stuff like that, you know, how much disinformation is there potentially? I mean, you know, as we've discussed, the Australian government, apart from you know, Senator Wish Wilson's just basically ignoring it, uh, even though we have the same technology in our Super Hornets and the F thirty fives and stuff like that. And if they are detecting, you know, or Pine Gap's one of the best radar stations on the planet. So, you know, you'd imagine that if something was being de detected either on the Australian or off the Australian mainland, 
they would be seeing these anomalous objects. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, that probably leads us to your thoughts on the balloon and what did or, 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 or didn't happen. Um, the balloon I, was totally, I, totally not for spying. My, my, my daughter, she's three years old and she loves, I don't know if your kids um, are into Blippi, but there's a song that um, Blippi does about colourful balloons and I couldn't help myself with posting that on, the, on Twitter when it just, you know, the, the balloon gate saga was just ridiculous. I mean, as much as the Chinese balloon captured my interest for a couple of, couple of minutes while it was yeah. uh, you know, in the Floating news cycle, in the yeah. um, it, was, it was very interesting um, as to the timing of when they decided to bring it down. I always was asking a question, well, if it was being tracked well before it even entered into continental U.S. Um, uh, airspace over the continental U.S. on yeah, the West why Coast, did go, why yeah, did you yeah. let it? Why did you let it enter U.S. airspace? Why didn't you bring it down uh, before it even crossed yeah, Alaska? Over the, and, yeah, over the ocean, mm, or you know, because I mean, and from from what we've heard is that its payload was the 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 equivalent of three bus lengths. So, you know, mm. who knows what kind of um, you know weaponry? Uh, uh, yeah, if 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 it wanted if if the Chinese wanted to be um, nefarious or have a first strike capability or something. I mean, what's stopping them from putting, uh, you know, bioweapons or, or, you know, nukes or whatever they wanted to put on a payload that's three busload lengths. So I was puzzled as to why the the U.S. Department of Defense allowed the Chinese spy balloon to cross the, the the US and well it's surveil. the best distraction in the world that's why oh, look that. well that's true I mean yeah. and, and there's a lot of things that like exactly but you know the US Department of would say well we didn't bring it down because we wanted to capture intelligence on it as well all the while allowing it to uh, get potentially um, high fidelity footage of what's on the ground in the US and then they brought it down off the off the east coast why they choose to chose to bring it down off the east coast there's a lot of other things happening at the time uh politically i mean you had the nord stream uh you know bombing incident you yes. had everything is going on with pfizer you've got other things as well so how much of it is a uh is a misdirection you know look this yeah, way absolutely. while we kind of want you to avoid looking over here yeah. that's certainly a possibility but then you had you know in the following in the days thereafter these three unidentified aerial objects is a new term that we now have to deal with uh, <laughs> that were, um, that were, well, I, were saw that, I saw UFOs early on. I'm like, why are they using UFOs? Right. <laughs> and, and wasn't it just for, I mean, we've got an episode talking about it, but it was two tic tac, two tic tac shaped objects, supposedly, uh, and an octagonal shaped object, which, but now two, we're being told uh, they're all balloons. Cylindrical right? was the word that they used. Cylindrical, yeah, cylindrical yeah, they didn't shaped say objects. Tic tac. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and an octagon shape. And and the fact that they only were able to pick these three unidentified aerial objects up when they lifted the sensitivity of their radars and mm-hmm. they, you know, they, members of the USDOD stated that, oh, we've, we've picked up these things um, frequently in the years past. Well, why the hell did you do anything about it all those mm-hmm. years ago when mm-hmm. it was picked up during the Trump administration? Why are you only lifting the sensitivity of the radars now? And then we have... The uh, the claim that these three unidentified aerial objects were brought down by the F-22 Raptor um, and an F-16. F-22 Raptor, by the way, I'm in Melbourne and they had the Australian International yeah, Air Show last weekend. Yeah, man, the F-22 Raptor, what a what an amazing piece of hardware. So, um, But we're to believe that 
you know, these three unidentified aerial objects, which were never definitively confirmed as balloons or science project, uh, you know, weather balloons or hobbyist balloons. I, I mean, it's the, more... It's, the wording they used later on when they were trying to diffuse it was benign. They were benign yeah. objects, right? Which is interesting terminology as well. Benign enough to still be a safety of flight risk that they deemed it necessary to bring them down. So Yeah, they actually um, let fighter planes loose in the US. To exactly. Again, first time in 60, what is it, 60, 65 years that NORAD's been ordered to to bring down, uh, you know, use use uh, use force, you know, deploy force, weapons yeah. to bring down. And, and still, to this very day, we don't know, we have no uh, evidence as to what these three objects were. I mean, we no. were... We were very, they were very quick to release a photo of the Chinese spy balloon from the U-2 spy plane, yeah. but we still haven't seen any evidence as to mm. what these three identified objects, uh, aerial objects are, and mm. the, they're saying that they have not been able to retrieve any of the debris. What a total embarrassment for the mm. U.S. Department of Defense. The, 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 the strongest military power in the world with the greatest toys and the incredible F-22 Raptor that brought two of these three unidentified, unidentified aerial objects down, and we're to believe that they can't retrieve any of the debris and they can't release any evidence as to what these objects are? Give me a break. Come on. Yeah, well, well, I saw through the social media that they, there's a few people that claim that they were their balloons for projects or whatever. So yeah, whether they are true or not. Some said that they're hobby balloons. Yeah, we're missing our $12 hobby balloon. Yeah, look, <laughs> and, it, and it, quite possibly there's a prosaic explanation, but if it's... Um, it, you know, if, if it's as prosaic as the uh, President Biden and the U.S. Department of Defense is claiming it is, then show us. Uh, yeah, then then balloons, what's the harm in, yeah, yeah, you know, show us so we can put it to bed. I'm, we're not, I'm not just going to trust the U.S. government blindly and we'll you no. know, have blind faith and accept what they're, they're saying is correct. I always agree with the, the mantra, trust but verify. Okay, you've mm. told me this, but prove it. You know, show me that you these three identified aerial objects were hobbyist balloons or science project weather balloons. Uh, I'm not going to, and, and there could be a number of reasons why they haven't actually um, released any um, footage, you know, gun camera footage, radar footage, or, uh, you know, I mean, there, there's got to be some form of visual data that was captured via gun camera footage. I mean, if, oh, if someone any, can take any, a selfie, yeah. if they can take a selfie from a YouTube spy plane that gives us, high fidelity, high resolution imagery of the Chinese spy balloon, then are we to expect that there's nothing captured for those other three objects? Of course there is. They just haven't released it. And the reason yeah, why they haven't yeah. released it is, one, it could be a, a, a massive embarrassment for the US, which I suspect that's, yeah. yeah. You know, they've, they've $450,000 per missile. You know, they've, they've, they've and blown... And the first one missed. They've blown... Exactly. So that <laughs> um, four, four missiles... Um, well, how many missiles in total? Five missiles yeah. on um, no, uh, sorry, four missiles on um, uh, on four objects. One for the Chinese spy balloon, and then you had um, uh, no, so no, it was five. five it was five because the first one missed. They the missed. Balloon. They yeah. missed one of. They missed the Lake Huron. Um, so, which yeah. is how do you miss a balloon? I mean, anyway, that's another whole query. So it could be massive embarrassment. The U.S is happy to release a photo of the Chinese spy balloon because they successfully brought that down. Hooray, and they retrieved the debris. But they're not going to release the, uh, the, the evidence of the other three objects being balloons because taxpayers just blew over $2 million on, uh, on 
on you know state-of-the-art missiles that brought down hobbyist balloons. I mean, give me yeah, a break. Yeah. That's one scenario. The other scenario is, well, if they are hobbyist balloons, um, then there could be some serious um, criminal indictments or investigations that, you know, there, there could potentially be um, prosecution, uh, you know, or criminal charges laid on um, those hobbyist organisations for uh, entering uh, oh, you know, flying space, blah, objects blah, blah, yeah, in yeah. FAA regulated airspace, even though there was no flight traffic uh, in in that area at the time. That is one plausible explanation. But I think if that was the case, though, we would have heard about that one, right? If there's, you know, you made us do this, and now rah rah rah. Well, they they would, and there would be nothing wrong with them saying, look, there are um, there's an investigation underway to uh, you know, determine which organizations were responsible. I mean, we still don't know origin. We don't know no. uh, what they, they were. What we don't direction. know intent. Yeah. No. We have, no, we have no, no information about those three objects. We only yeah. know information about the Chinese spy balloon. And that's a big, um, that's a big worry. I mean, it, it just screams complete incompet incompetence from the, the U.S. military. I mean, they, they're, spending, they're spending trillions of dollars every year to uh, ensure the safety and security of the U.S., population and they're not even prepared to be transparent and tell the u.s population what it is that they brought down because yeah. i think they're just terrified of being uh embarrassed and the, the the public perception that geez we we really um we you know <laughs> we overstepped here by bringing down yeah. balloons with some state-of-the-art missiles that cost almost half a million a pop you know so okay yeah, well, that's what i also want to know too um sorry uh, i just want to know too like why Waste missiles on balloons that they can clearly yeah, identify as balloons. Why just give a quick squirt, yeah, right? a quick squirt a, with a fifty count? You know, <laughs> just put it done. Like that's just. Well, they're, they're, they're going to use the argument that you know um, uh, artillery 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 shells have to fall somewhere. So they obviously, yeah, but, but the they weren't in, they weren't anywhere near general uh, populated areas. Exactly. So that's they a very good question. Why the did they waste a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar missile? And where did the missile uh, go, boys? Where did the missile <laughs> yeah, just keeps going. Well, where's the where's you know? There's not just going to be debris of these objects. There's also going to be debris of the of the missile if they didn't. It's not exploding. Uh, it's just piercing fabric, supposedly. No, right? and yeah. and well, we led to one of the objects, which was um, reportedly metallic in mm. in nature or structure that mm. uh, exploded on impact yeah, with on the impact. Uh, with the missile that's going to bring down a hail of debris mm. wherever it is and and you know Ross Coulthard has a contact in Alaska who's apparently very close to uh, where the the debris field was reported I think I saw this that object post. came so down he posted some of that on Twitter didn't you? Yeah, he and it's that. just this isolated barren um, landscape of just ice and he hasn't um, seen any helicopters. He's seen no, no rescue, retrieval no teams in the area. So, again, you know, these claims are made that they brought down three identified aerial objects. Well, prove it. Show us. Show us the gun mm. camera footage or show us some evidence that, to, to confirm what it is you brought down. Mm. Yeah. So even if they did give a quick squirt there, they would have the evidence of the actual whole entire structure or whatever it is because the balloon would have helped as a bit of a parachute, you know, as it's fallen down. So, like, mm. they would have had the entire whatever these things were attached to the balloon in its entirety just about. So, boys, let's steer away from trying to pretend that it might have been UFOs and let's pretend that it was, okay? So we're dealing with two, we'll just say cylindrical objects. I think the the lexicon for us all, we'd probably say due to the supposed legitimate footage we have seen, we would call them a tic-tac maybe, okay? 
and then we've got an octagonal shaped object that in the very initial reports, right, it's because you can, you got to watch the news cycle now. It cycles itself out, right? But the very initial reports was UFOs, UAOs, that were using this language, okay? Mm -hmm. So do we think, I mean, yeah, me and Anthony sort of had this chat on the fly and I've had a bit more time to think about it. And I talked to my mates in the US as well. I've got some US correspondents. We talked about this stuff on 200, Mm -hmm. uh, episode 200. And yeah, they basically said because of the rescue effort, like, oh no, it was too difficult. There's, you know, there's snow and stuff and we just couldn't get out there. That was there. They sort of just <laughs> blew it off, right? Yeah, the, the greatest military the world's ever known and it can't fly a helicopter in the snow. Um, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, Grant. Do you I mean, do you think they, I mean, because we've got some wicked comments in here, like, yeah, Big B Media, you're missing the point. Uh, a good podcast, that actually. Uh, and yeah, there's some other guys talking about we know this phenomena has legs and it is real to whatever degree that is. Was this, I mean, if you think I think about, um, I don't know if you guys follow Brothers of the Serpent, but there's a few guys, Marty Garza, and making predictions about some sort of reveal of tech this year. Is this the start of that? Was that a soft opening to, you know, are we looking at drone tech advance? Have they cracked anti-gravity and we don't know it and now they're shooting down their own stuff or testing because, I mean, yes, the Raptor could – the only plane in the Western Arsenal that could even go up against one of these things in any chance is the Raptor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I've seen as well, Grant. They're impressive machines. Um, so, you know, what's your thoughts on that, mate? Well, I mean, just a side comment. First, what was uh, interesting to note was actually the, the press secretary for the White House that volunteered the information at the very, very, very front end – of her uh, speech that this was not extraterrestrial. And then you have the, uh, the general of um, NORAD or North, North Command uh, come out when was asked a question by Helene Cooper, who was actually one of the journalists responsible for authoring the December 2017 um, articles uh, co-authored by Leslie Keen and uh, um, Ralph Blumenthal. Her question was... Um, you know, can you rule out? Can you rule out that these are uh, extraterrestrial in nature? And the general can't remember his name. Said, "No, I, I'm not ruling anything out at this." Yeah, this that's juncture. right. Yeah, so yeah, there's not ruling anything out this There's stage, this yeah. massive contradiction. The press press secretary for the White House or the, the, this this woman's come out and said off the bat, "Don't worry, it's not extraterrestrial." And then you've got the NORAD, um, you know, general. Yeah, the guy that ordered the planes. Yeah, yeah. The guy that (laughs) ordered the planes to shoot them down doesn't know what they were. Yeah, exactly. So, so massive, you know, massive contrast, and it's just uh, unfortunate that the the White House press corps and those that are um, have special access to, you know, the members of the media that have special access to uh, Pentagon press briefings and White House press briefings, they didn't. They didn't ask the all-important questions. They just asked these very softball questions, and they didn't follow up on it whatsoever. And that's been—I know Ross's, um, you know, gripe—is that the, the the media is not exercising one ounce of journalistic due diligence because they're so afraid that they're going to have their access revoked if they ask mm. a hard question, challenging question. Um, mm. They're not going to be permitted back into a. To, you know, to cover the breaking stories that come out of the Pentagon and the White House. So there's a real failure on the part of the, the mainstream media to, to, to press the USDOD and the White House uh, on this whole uh, incident uh, mm. and, and ask you know, important follow-up questions. So 
uh, it's a real um, you know, real tragedy that the media has not carried the torch and 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 done their due diligence on the on the topic. That was yeah. a side note to obviously yeah. before the point. Yeah. One of the fellows there, one of the reporters there too, he asked the question before like, he didn't get the question answered, but he quickly snipped in there a question going, "Would you even tell us if it was ETs?" And unfortunately, yeah. they were too busy giggling and laughing about the whole ET topic, you know, as they usually do. But his mm. his answer got his question got missed, and it's like that's what like, a genuine question. Would they tell yeah. us? Would they even if tell they us, were yeah. ET in that matter? So, so what's your yeah, thoughts, Grant? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so geez. what's your thoughts, that's, man? Man, that's, what, that's, what... that's a tough one. Yeah, I would love to. <sighs> I would love to believe that everything that has happened since December of 2017 has been a a slow drip of information to try and desensitize the the mass uh, the masses the general public on on this topic you know make it more mainstream for for UAP to be in um uh, you know in in everyday conversation because everyone still associates UFO with extraterrestrial so that's why yeah. they've rebranded UFO into UAPs to move yeah. away from the stigma that's associated with the with that uh that acronym um would we get some form of disclosure announcement from the president i would like to hope so if there is i mean what you have to remember is now you have president biden ordering the establishment of a brand new whole of government interagency office that's going to investigate not just these unidentified aerial objects, these balloon-like entities, but also UAP, because there is a real distrust between the White House and the Pentagon at the moment. The Pentagon's been dragging its heels um, on its legislative mandate, which is to establish the all-domain anomaly resolution office, ARO, which they have, but it's only got three staff, one full-time, Sean uh, Kirkpatrick, and two part-timers that are pulled uh, away from their you know, their full-time day-to-day duties. So the Pentagon is is basically lips doing, you know, giving the US Congress lip service and saying, we're going to do the absolute bare minimum because you've told us we have to, but they're not, uh, they're not, I don't believe the, the, the Pentagon is taking this topic seriously because they haven't, they haven't funded ARO and staffed and resourced ARO appropriately. And mm. I think the White House has now caught wind of that because according to Ross Coulthard's sources, you have word of potentially um, a, a very senior U.S. naval commander that's come forward and complained to the White House that the Air Force uh, is, you know, ha- has engaged in some activity that is conduct unbecoming the Air Force that maybe... Mm has done some things that are uh, illegal or potentially criminal activity. Uh, and there is this huge distrust between now the White House and the Pentagon. And we know that the Air Force has refused to play ball on this topic for so long because they yeah. were included as a contributor of ODNI's preliminary assessment and 2022 annual report. But most of the data, most of the data that was uh, included in the in ODNI's reports, most of those reports of UAP cases came from the Navy. The Air Force mm. has contributed very little to uh, the ODNI's reporting thus far. They're you know, they're refusing to uh, you know uh, assist with ARO's efforts and the U.S. Congress to get to the bottom of this issue. And I think the White House has caught wind of that and said, 
essentially stuff you Air Force and USDOD, Pentagon, we're going to have now an independent interagency body that's going to get to the bottom of this, whether it be looking at legacy programs that may include crash retrieval efforts, uh, as well as you know what's, been, what's going on with these uh, waived, unacknowledged special access programs that go without any US congressional oversight. And there may be trillions of dollars being poured into black budget technology yeah. that's yeah. being tested on US military aviators and pilots without the knowledge of those US military aviators and pilots mm -hmm. uh, to kind of test their top secret technology. And I, to your question that you asked before, Trevin, I suspect that is a significant part of it, that yeah. what is being observed by members of the military, military aviators and, uh, and pilots is top secret technology that's being tested. Mm. So blue on blue activity uh, mm. being tested to uh, identify uh, vulnerabilities and uh, and use it as an opportunity, ex expose vulnerabilities and, and an effort to strengthen capabilities. Yeah, I mean, we've also got the, the, the plans that have been released on the TR-3B. I mean, that is a triangular-shaped aircraft. It looks pretty, you know what I mean, that has been spotted. Yeah, triangular yeah, aircraft is one of the ones that's been spotted, you know what I mean? And it does seem to have some sort of thruster, potentially anti-gravity technology about it. If they have moved forward to the point, you know, as you say, not necessarily involving us in the program. I mean, I think we looked it up the other night. I think the U.S. has lost $6.3 trillion somewhere, right? I mean, how do you lose $6.3 trillion, right? Is it under the couch? You know what I mean? Like, you know. Remember, uh, Donald Rumsfeld that famous, yes. famously publicly stated that the, the, the Pentagon couldn't couldn't account for trillion dollars in, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, It was 2.3 or 4 ridiculous. the day before 9-11, yeah. yeah. And then since then, it's now six point. Three, it's just ballooned out, and and to yeah. the point that you just raised about the TR three B. Um, I mean, look at the the the, the Navy patents, you know, Salvatore yeah. Paez, and mm -hmm. the patents of these triangular shaped, uh, you know, craft that have obviously no um, sign of visible propulsion. And you know, mm -hmm. are we to believe that that coupled with these sightings of triangular? Uh, objects and reports of the TR3B. I mean, it's quite possibly that you know you have um, the, uh, the the stealth bomber and the the you know what is it the um, the 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 B21. I mean, these mm. new triangular shaped stealth fighters mm. that could easily be misidentified and confused mm. as UAP or UFO. Yeah. Absolutely. But oh, look, the I'm fact an aviation that you also nut. have, I'm an aviation nut. When those big B2 bombers come over. Mm. They look otherworldly, and they don't yeah, make a lot of they? noise either. They don't make a lot of noise, and they disappear because they're so mm -hmm. skinny. You watch them, and then gone, right, because of their, their radar profile, you know? So it's like to someone who never wasn't an aviation buff, you could easily say, what is that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what's going on there? Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's fascinating, man. I mean – where do I you think stand? There was a news. I can't remember. I'll see if I can find the um, uh, but um, Lockheed Martin was trying to um, has been tasked with developing uh, a new a new triangular shaped um, uh, aircraft that uh, is almost um, almost produces no sonic boom. So yeah. they're wanting to uh, you know minimize the. Uh, the 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 signature of mm. that of that aircraft. I can't remember what the project was. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and, and tell you in a sec, but, you know, that's mm-hmm. enough. I mean, how many of these top secret technologies that are being developed by uh, defence contractors and the aerospace corporations, the Lockheed Marns, the Northrop Grumman's, uh, you've got the Boeing's, you know, what, what top secret technology are they developing and testing in above, um, you know, populated areas just to gauge what the reaction yeah, is from the general do, public? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm, I'm certain that that's a part of it as well. But, but that's also new- mentioning the well-known. Isn't it? But what about the other countries that may have point on this technology, like China yeah. or Russia, for example? Like, what mm. have they got? That's another thing. Like, people are seeing these things from other countries, or are mm. they of these companies that you mentioned? Yeah, it's the. Oh, here it is. It's the. Um, yeah, supersonic flight promises to hush the sonic boom. It's it's uh, the the Bell X one. Oh, hang on. No, um, sorry. It is... Oh, the Bell X1 was what, the original. Uh, yeah, the original. This new one that's being developed by Lockheed Martin, it's called the the X-59, I believe. X-59. Anyway, so right. you've got, you know, you've got all this technology that's being developed, which could easily be misidentified as as UFO, UAP. Yeah, there's uh, also... Intentionally I mean, or, or unintentionally. We do know that, you know, there was that drone space shuttle looking thing that was in orbit for months and months and months and they didn't say anything about it. Uh, and then it just sort of landed again. And like, what did you collect? And like, oh, I don't know, you know. Mm. We were just in, in the orbit for a long time. I mean, where do you stand on um, – so you still have – I mean, okay, cool. So now it's secret government tech. Where do you stand? Is it Were they UAPs or if that – that technology is being back engineered. What's your theories on that? I mean, you've obviously looked at this stuff. You've been in the rabbit hole for a little while now. Uh, yeah. And yeah. with this latest thing, because I, I sort of said to Anthony on the show the other day, and I echoed it on 200, I think it was, it's like either it's a disinformation psyop thing by the US government, right? Or we just accidentally started a war with maybe two interdimensional extraterrestrial. <laughs> Races and beans, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I think if we had, we probably wouldn't uh, be having yeah, this conversation yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, I do think that it could be all of those things um, yeah. in, in the respect that – so I've I've had some conversations or I should say engagement with um, um, members of the Royal Australian Air Force, uh, current and former. Uh, some are, are of the belief that – what the what we are seeing in the United States is um, nothing but um, a ruse, nothing mm-hmm. but um, an illusion designed to misdirect our uh, our foreign adversaries. So, you know, um, no, we don't know of, what it is either. Now we're going to send a fleet of super yeah, drones we'll, into your country. Yeah, right we'll away. we'll we'll send all this um, you know this this top secret technology up there to try and really conflate. Uh, the 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 issue of UAP so that Russia and China start investing all of this money um, into you know understanding shit what is it that's um you know that that that's going on with these UFOs and UAP in the US and and that's not a, a stretch to believe because no. um, we know that in the in the decades past that that was true with remote viewing and mm-hmm. uh, and psi and so on that Russia was investing uh, a ton of money trying to understand remote viewing because that's what uh, we know that the, the CIA was yeah, was CIA exploring was and, and investigating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so so I, I don't subscribe to the notion, though, that it is all um, a ruse and misdirection in an attempt to um, distract um, 
you know, our foreign adversaries, you know, look this way while we don't want you to actually look at something else. I think that's part of it. But I think there is, um, I think the phenomenon is real. There is a there there. Yeah. Um, you know, it, what it is, though, shit, I, I really have no idea. I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't think it's unreasonable um, to, uh, you know, postulate that it's extraterrestrial in nature because, I mean, you know, I think that the, the general consensus amongst the scientific community now is based on the sheer volume of stars that are in the sky and the galaxies uh, that surround us that it is improbable that there is no other intelligent form of life in the universe. I think the Drake equation, we can kind of put that one to bed. Are extraterrestrials visiting planet Earth? Who knows? Possibly, because we only have our current understanding of the laws of physics. Uh, we haven't been able to reconcile quantum physics with general and special relativity and all, yeah. and, and all of those sorts of things. Uh, I mean, are there other possible um, explanations as well? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. aside from aside from misidentification, hoaxes, uh, it being foreign adversarial technology or our own technology that, when I say our own, the US uh, government is exploiting top secret technology to try and test out vulnerabilities and strength and capabilities outside of those things and extraterrestrial in nature, it certainly could be something that's future human uh, in mm. nature, interdimensional, uh, ultra terrestrial, mm. or, ultra -terrestrial uh, or even yeah. crypto terrestrial as, uh, as there's another aspect of it as well. So it's a whole smorgasbord of things that it could be. I don't think it is any one of those things. No, I think there's a so strong yeah. possibility. It's a combination of them. Because mm. yeah. I mean, like, as you say, the air force uh, has, yeah, North Sentinel Island. G'day, Angus. Yeah, are we North Sentinel Island, right? Are we the, are we a fishbowl, right? Are we being observed? That's the other other theory. As well, alien right? ant farm, I say. Yeah, yeah, alien ant farm, right? Is this, <laughs> you know, because if these if these things are interdimensional, if they are ultra terrestrial, I mean, I was just about to say the Air Force hasn't had a lot of contribution because, according to what we understand, most of these things are seen above water. And what's under the ocean, right? We don't actually really, if we let's be honest, we don't really know what's underneath the ocean, right? And why are all these tic tacs, these, you know, you go to the USOs as well, the under un, undersea, uh, unidentified mm -hmm. sea objects as well, right? That these submarines are seeing these weird things as well, where it's like that's going faster than it should be able to go, and then it's gone again, right? And there's there's all sorts of these things that I've seen over the years as well. I mean, if you we sort of go here at UTC on the 1% rule, right? So if 1% of all of that is true, then it, the, the picture that we understand that is the world that we exist in doesn't exist how we understand that it exists, right? And I think we've got to be able to question everything, I think. it's. Um, I totally agree. I mean, what, what, I mean, if we are being observed, I mean, what, what do we do on, on this planet if there's a wildlife sanctuary mm. or a reserve where we're trying to protect the habitat of maybe endangered species, what do we do? We just let them do their own thing, and we we don't uh, we don't interfere with their you know uh, as natural a habitat yeah, as we want yep. them to have. Yep. So, could we possibly be the animals in the zoo, and they are the zookeepers that are watching mm. from a distance? It's it's certainly something. Everything's on the table until it's not. So, yeah, I think absolutely. you definitely have to consider that as well. That uh, we have been 
if we have been observed, I say there's a strong chance we've been observed for a very, very long time, just based on, um, you know, you've got uh, Indigenous Australian uh, yes. cave drawings rock, yeah, and rock absolutely. art, yeah. and not just Australia, in all cultures, no, all over the world, uh, man. across yeah. the world, you know, yeah, absolutely. going yeah, back, yeah, I mean, I know that's your... That's yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're flying into my wheelhouse. Going back, look, who knows how long, to be perfectly honest, right? I mean, tens of thousands, 50,000, 100,000, how long is a piece of string? But there is stories across ancient cultures that reach back as far as we understand, and they're pretty consistent to the stories. Uh, mm. I mean, my next question to you, Grant, is, is, is I know – and like no, we don't we don't give away our sources here, right? Okay, I understand that. But is there has there been any whispers, any any murmurings, or have we retrieved anything here in Australia? Has there been anything like that? Have you heard anything about that, or am I just am I just hoping? Uh, I haven't. No, sadly, I haven't. And and I suspect that if there is um, if if there is uh, uh, if there has been some form of legacy program or any effort whatsoever to um, record and report on UAP activity, I strongly suspect it sits within the remit of the intelligence services who yeah, are exempt in- from FOIA. Uh, you, you cannot submit a Freedom of Information Act request to the likes of uh, ASIO, um, ASIS, uh, the Defence Intelligence Organisation, uh, the Australian Geospatial Organisation, all those, all those guys. All the are ones we need to, all the ones we need all, to talk to. Exactly, <laughs> all the ones that we want the data from, they're exempt. Now, that's not this, that's not necessarily the case in the US. So that's where we're mm. we're kind of uh, you know trying to get blood from a stone. Not and but the only ones that, and this is why I've repeated time and time again that it's important for you know folks like uh, you and and us and and others that are interested in this topic and have a passion for it and just want greater transparency that you have to engage your elected representatives on, on this topic because it's folks like Senator Peter Wish Wilson that if you can influence their thinking and their lines of inquiry, then they can go straight to the Australian Department of Defence and the Australian Intelligence Services and ask questions. And their questions get escalated to the top of the pile and they get answered uh, through mm. uh, Senate estimates um, hearing. You know, FOIA will only take you so far and in a lot of cases, uh, you know, FOIA is a bit a bit of a pain in the backside. If your if your request for documentation uh, is a little bit too complex, or you're wanting documents that go back too far into the past, uh, they will hit you with a practical refusal response because it places too much of an administrative burden on the defence uh, FOI team to undertake oh, your. Um, right. They don't want. They can't go into. The, can't go into the file. They can't. They don't want to. No, go exactly. Oh, to, to, to put it in the too, too hard, hard basket. basket. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have the resources. It's going to take away from the day to day operations and responsibilities. So that's why it's important that we engage our elected representatives because if they ask questions. They're, uh, they're, you know, they, they will get a response. They'll get an answer. So what? So then, uh, Grant, what's the most interesting FOIA document you've had your little fingers on? Do you got anything you want to share with us, or what's something? Uh, so yeah, I mean, the the one that's been probably the most significant to date, um, uh, and I've been submitting US FOIA requests as well. But the most uh, significant Australian uh, release was, without a doubt, the the Chief of Air Force brief. On UAP. So, following the the questioning that Senator Wish Wilson asked of Chief of Air Force Air Marshal Mel Hupville on the twenty seventh of October, 
of 2021. Mel Hupfield was caught completely off guard uh, by the senator's questioning. He was kind of flummoxed that he was being perplexed. He was being asked questions about UFOs. And because he was caught so, he was blindsided, uh, the, the Royal Australian Air Force prepared uh, as part of a Senate estimates brief um, a briefing paper, a chief of Air Force brief on UAP, so that if he got asked questions again or was mm. pressed by other members of parliament or senators or members of the media, he would be prepared with some scripts, some scripting, some talking points on, you know, basically staying true to the strategic narrative of the Royal Australian Air Force. And this document that I secured through FOIA um, Blankly tells us that the Royal Australian Air Force has a, a very specific strategic narrative, um, a story that it wants to tell about UAP, that one, UAP is not extraterrestrial in, in nature. It could be foreign adversarial. It could be atmospheric or other benign phenomena, um, or it could be human-made human technologies. Uh, that, that that's the line that the Royal Australian Air Force is pushing, that there's, you know, move along, folks, there's nothing to see here. So this document, the Chief of Air Force Brief on UAP, um, I've actually got every um, single iteration of that document from February of last year through to February of this year. So, and I've I've tried to see where the document has evolved and changed over yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say where's where's the wording change? You got to watch the yeah, wording so change. So the, the only uh, the only changes, and I, I dropped this on Twitter the other day. Uh, the most recent version of the Chief of Air Force brief on UAP is really just acknowledgement that uh, the Royal Australian Air Force has read the 2022 annual report on UAP from ODNI, uh, and they acknowledge that. Um, UAP clearly pose a safety of flight risk, but they went so far to volunteer for our US ally. Uh, they're they're so stating not, not down here. Right. No, they're 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 adamant that this is a US issue. This is not an issue that uh, is is a problem for for Australia and you know presumably other other countries, which we know is total BS because yeah. the Royal Australian Air Force has had as long of a history investigating UFOs, UAP, what they called what? unusual aerial sightings, UAS, mm. from the 1950s through Absolutely. to mid-1990s. So almost yeah. as long as a history investigating UFOs as the US did. But the other uh, thing is too, boys, we've got to take into the Europeans. The French have a very extensive program. They're very open to the to the to the sightings I mean, and Fr stuff like France, that. France, yeah, you know, the French government commissioned a, a, a comprehensive report on on mm. UFOs back in I don't know if it was the nineties or early two thousands. You've got mm. the UK obviously yeah, UK. had the, um, the the Condine report. Uh, I mean, Australia and the UK sadly are very much. Uh, aligned with each other, where there's move along, folks, nothing to see here. They're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're not acknowledging that UAP are an issue. Where uh, we know now that it's not just the US that's taking the UAP topic very seriously. It's now also Canada. So the top, the chief scientist for the Canadian government has now commissioned a study on UAP, and that's thanks to the advocacy advocacy of a gentleman by the name of Larry Maguire, who's an M MP. For, uh, in Canada, uh, for the Canadian government, he's been very concerned about what he's hearing from uh, the UAP task force because the UAP task force briefed the Canadian government and military on UAP in February of 2022, thanks to the great reporting of Daniel Otis. Uh, mm -hmm. So we know that Canada is now taking the UAP topics very seriously, and that mm -hmm. then opens the conversation. Well, if the top, if the chief scientist of the Canadian government 
is now uh, recognising that UAP uh, deserves some scientific scrutiny and investigation because NASA has committed to a nine-month study to better understand what further studies can be done on the topic. What's mm. to say that, you know, uh, Senator Wish Wilson and other senators and members of parliament can't ask questions of the CSIRO to say, mm. well, hang on, if Canada's top chief scientist is asking questions about UAP, maybe the CSIRO should be as well. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing too. Like, why has this guy taken it so seriously? What's in that report for him to go and really question it? And yet mm. everyone around the world or other countries is saying, we don't care. But yet yeah. this yeah, one guy is like I don't know why Australia seriously. and the UK and, and New Zealand, uh, you know, three of the five members of the five eyes are mm. sitting on their fat ass and not taking this topic seriously. And I, I mm. don't understand why. So, Grant, yeah. we're... Uh, Oh, sorry, Anthony, did you want to go, mate? No, you're I was going to no, you're right, go for it. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, look, I totally agree as well. There's, there's no there's no disagreement. Um, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on Corbell are, Grant, Jeremy Corbell, because obviously in the chats here, really appreciate all the comments from Brian and uh, good to see you, mate, Angus. And, you know, but the Luis Elizondo was uh, mentioned in the chat. I mean, he's obviously aligned. Well, I don't know if he's aligned with Corbell, but that's the sort of, that's the US cohort, right, with Corbell seemed to be at the forefront um, of releasing information. I mean, what's your thoughts on Corbell and that, you know, that sort of stuff? I mean, first and foremost, I was introduced to um, the first I heard of Jeremy Corbell was through uh, the, the the films that he's released. I think there was um, he started with was a Patient Seventeen and then yeah. um, Hunt for the uh, Skinwalker and and then obviously mm -hmm. the Bob Lazar documentary. I think yeah, as a filmmaker, yeah. I enjoy his his documentaries i mean being a filmmaker i think he uh you know he certainly like any filmmaker would adds a bit of creative license to the storytelling aspect um i'm still kind of on the fence on on the bob lazar um um you know uh issue but i think there's a lot of credibility behind um you know bob lazar's account and mm. it's you know there are obviously folks within the u.s military that are feeling um comfortable enough to entrust Jeremy Corbell and the likes of George Knapp with information that they're not comfortable, um, you know, going to their, or maybe there is a, um, not, not a level of comfort, but maybe there is a dissatisfaction that members of the US military, they're so frustrated that their commanders and top brass are doing nothing about the UAP issue, which is a clear safety of flight issue and mm. national security risk that out of, you know, sheer frustration, they're going to the likes of Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp and releasing information that um, is that the Pentagon has actually confirmed as uh, legitimate footage yeah. of UAP. Now, for example, the, 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 the footage of the, the triangle above the USS Russell and the USS Omaha of the, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. purported to be a transmedium object. Now you have the Mosul um, orb. You know, the yeah. first UAP that's reported in a conflict zone. So there, conflict there are zone, obviously yeah. people within the U.S. military that are feeling comfortable enough to entrust the likes of Jeremy Corbell with their information, which the Pentagon is saying is, is legitimate. So yeah. I think there is value in folks like Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. Um, they're getting people come to them with real intel, actionable intelligence, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. then they're uh, when they're able to release it and they have... 
um, you know, they have vetted that information, they're releasing it. Now, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people give Jeremy Corbell a bit of a rough time. Um, mm -hmm. Sure, he's a filmmaker, but, you know, every you, you have to take that into account as well. Just like with Luis Elizondo, he comes from a counterintelligence background. So you have to always keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, you've got to run when, the filter through with him, you know what I mean? Exactly. What's he when, saying? When what's you're he hearing saying, what's coming right? out of his mouth. And that's why I always um, stay true to the maximum, you know, trust but verify. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of information that comes out of Luis Elizondo that we can verify. We have to take a lot of it on blind faith. But I do mm -hmm. applaud the likes of Luis Elizondo and Christopher Mellon for advancing the conversation oh, the definitely. way they, they have. They, as, absolutely. As they they definitely have. moved it forward for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. On this topic, uh, you know, it's just we're not in a position because we're they're operating in a data-rich environment and we don't have enough data to, uh, you know, verify a lot of yeah, the things cross that verify cross-reference anything that they're yeah. saying yeah that's the problem yeah. is that is that enough of a reason to discredit them altogether i don't think so but no. you just have to keep uh you know you've got to wear two hats when you hear um from from folks uh, you know that are counterintelligence, military, the government. You should not just take what the government tells you on blind no. faith. You should also Especially after you, the last you few years, don't believe anything yeah. bloody exactly. safe. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's why it's so important that you uh, that you you know you, you, you truth to power and you you exercise your right to information and you ask questions and demand answers. Don't just accept what you've been told on blind faith because we know mm. where that's gotten us in the past. You have to. For me, I um, I like to sit on the fence on a lot of things and let the data lean me one way or the other. Yeah, I try absolutely. not to. I try to be mindful of my conscious and unconscious bias mm -hmm. and let the data just drive my thinking where it goes. And and that's why I've said time and time again that my mind is changing constantly yeah. on this topic. Uh, whenever I get a new piece of data. Uh, and then a couple months later, another piece of data. I'm constantly going back and forth, which I think uh, you, you, if, if you're going to be have a skeptical mind, but also have a healthy degree, uh, you're going to have an open mind, but a healthy degree of skepticism. I think that's the best way to be, it, it, you know, digest the information, but let the data lead you, uh, you know, whichever route you want to go rather than just accepting mm. something on, on blind faith. Uh, Angus is asking here, does Grant know who's involved with the Orchard Production Company? I'm not too sure where that's come from, but I don't know if you know what that means. Uh, is Orchard the one that's behind some um, some historical UAP UFO documentaries? I'm, if so, I may have I seen. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about uh, Orchard as a production company. Or, mm. um, the extent of what I know is that their um, <laughs> their logo pops up at the front end of a couple of documentaries I've seen. So, no, I don't know anything about about them i'm afraid no that's fair enough mate anthony do you, i want i want to finish with something weird boys uh <laughs> considering i'm running this show uh so have you got any other you know nuts and bolts or any other questions or anything you wanted to go with anthony before we before we start not really um i just want to go through a few of the people's comments here that have um, asked a few questions there just try and get them out of the way mm. um so i just want to go throw in big big b media's uh comment there saying uh what are the reasons for the government uh hang on, i'll read this again because i'm horrible at reading um, what are the reasons why the government keeps quiet on UFOs and actual encounters would be the difference views and religious beliefs uh, or just plain control? It's just sad to see the lies given to public. I think we, I think we covered that one in, early on, you know what I mean? I, I Not tried quite, because to... we didn't really bring in religious beliefs to it. Well, that's where I wanted to go. That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go. I wanted to go. Is that, is that, is that question um, 
related to the US government, Australian government, or all or, or governments? No, I think, I think, probably, I think all any government? probably all of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, well, well, let, well, let's just go there, boys. I mean, if you want to go, well, Grant, if you want to answer that question. Um, but yeah, it's, I want to go. I want to go somewhere weird. So when you're ready to go weird to finish <laughs> off, you let me know. Well, uh, to, to give you uh, – to answer, answer that question from the, from, from the Australian perspective, I think it could be a couple of things. I think that the fact that the Royal Australian Air Force has um, been invested in this topic historically from the 1950s to the mid-1990s where they essentially said uh, that in 1996 – uh, we, the Royal Australian Air Force, uh, cease investigation, uh, recording and reporting of UAP because we can find no compelling or other scientific reason to devote further devote resources to the topic. So the fact that they've said in the past that there's nothing burger to this topic and mm. now there's a push for them to uh, you know, revisit their position on this topic, if they revisit, if they say, okay, we're going to now investigate UAP again, there could potentially be a fear in their mind that there is going to be a perceived uh, what, what's going to be the, the public perception that shit, we don't have control of our skies yeah. and the general public is going to know it. So is there that, a, though, I mean, has, has that look, it's hard to know what, I mean, who do we include as the general public, I suppose, but do you think that maybe by now that we're not, I mean, us three here, we're not going to be freaked out if that's what they say, because it would just confirm all the research we've been doing for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. Do you think the general population's more – because, I mean, that's the classic answer. We can't reveal the truth. Everyone will go, ah, you know, freak <laughs> out, right? Um, and, look, I suppose a percentage of the population would because if if it is extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, then religion, you know what I mean? There would be an upset in the, the control mechanisms of the planet for sure. However, do you think the general population could handle that question a bit better now? I mean, it seems to be more and more every day that – I think Most the younger story. generations absolutely can. I think the you know people that are of our age, and uh, I mean I'm 44, so anyone that is you know um, in their teens and a young adult, I think they have grown up uh, in an age where they're flooded with technology, uh, you know, science and technology. That there is, I think there is just a, a greater level of acceptance by the younger generation on this on this topic. Um, mm. Certainly, you'll have the old school folks and those that are entrenched in uh, their religious beliefs uh, yes. and religious doctrine that they've been brought up with that it'll probably rock their foundations significantly. But there'll also mm. be those that it'll only strengthen their beliefs in their mm. uh, in their faith. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do think that that's why maybe there has been this drip feed of information over time to kind of just maybe ready the population for some form of disclosure i maybe i don't know if it would be an actual disclosure event but you know something potentially say from um your findings from the galileo project you know what if they mm -hmm. come out mm -hmm. with their first report that's due in july of this year and say yes, we have captured high fidelity high resolution of an image that is truly anomalous uh, mm. And we can't attribute it to any um, terrestrial known technology. So kudos, I think kudos to RV Loeb and and all those those people that have that have put their you know their reputations on the line to study this because they've looked at the data that we do have and it's like well there's X amount of these cases that are truly anomalous. We need to actually have cold hard data and they're putting their money where their mouth is. So I think that's and, um 
Yeah, and that's how science should operate. In open source, it, collaboration, communication. I think mm -hmm. the big problem, if these crash retrieval programs that we're hearing about so frequently, these potential legacy crash ret retrieval programs that may or may not exist, but mm -hmm. based on you know, the totality of what we've heard time and time again, there is certainly uh, a degree of probability that there is some legacy program that has never gotten anywhere potentially. And if, if you listen to the likes of Eric W. Davis, he said mm. time and time again that because everything is so compartmentalized in these special access programs and waived unacknowledged special access programs that, mm. you know, scientists don't talk to one another. They're so focused. Yeah, the, they operate the, the, these uh, silos. Well, they call that, it's, it's, yeah, they call stove that. Stovepipe. Uh, it's all stovepipe. Stove yeah, stovepipe. Yeah, that, you know. Scientist you, A doesn't talk to scientist B mm. because they, you know, they don't want. They're fearful of these these big secrets being uh, being leaked. Well, we know that that's BS because, mm. uh, I mean, look what happened with um, um, uh, the you know, what was it the project to um, uh, develop the atomic bomb. I mean, that was you know how many scientists did you have in that project that was. They kept a big secret about about that one, so mm -hmm. I don't think compartmental. Well, the list goes on. SR seventy one, the F one seventeen. I yeah, mean, yeah, we're all, yeah. all old enough to remember the F one seventeen in the nineties looked like a like a spaceship. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And, and uh, uh, that's why I applaud the likes of uh, you know the Galileo project, the folks uh, at CERN who are responsible for the the construct the development of the large had hadron collider i mean they have thousands of people involved in that endeavor and it's all, all it's all open source it's all about collaboration community mm. communication that's how science should advance not in these mm. compartmentalized uh, special access programs certainly a lot of things will always need to be compartmentalized to uh, negate leaking and foreign adversaries from getting a hold of technology but the mm. only way that we're ever going to i believe move to becoming a true Type one civilization is if we get scientists and academia. Uh, oh, we've got to get over ourselves and work together. That's what we've got yeah, to do. Yeah, you know? in this topic, we have to. Right, we yeah. have to. Well, across all topics, really. But yeah, this would be good fun. That's right. I mean, this one that we're passionate about, we have to get remove the freaking ego and and mm. get collaboration and and other great minds on on the topic. Yeah, but that well, also, argue, it all requires funding on their aspect yeah, of things, true. you know, because you know, yeah. I'm not going to go and pay and do things for free. Well, what does Ar so, Arvi's quote, uh, extraordinary <laughs> extraordinary claims require extraordinary funding. What I've been doing, boys, I've just been, well, Grant's been answering that. We've actually covered most of the questions here. There is a few. Yeah. The, the people in the comments are trying to steer us towards the weird topic that I want to finish on. Um, the, I hadn't heard of the Belgian wave. Oh uh, yeah, Angus was saying that yeah, it's the orchard is with the Jeremy Corbell documentaries as well, apparently. Um, but yeah, he's not sure. Um, but the Belgian wave, I hadn't heard that. Thousands of witnesses in nineteen eighty nine in Belgium. Um, same year Black in time triangles. as yeah, as nuclear testing in the Murara Atoll and enormous civil unrest. That year is significant for a lot of sightings here in Australia too, that nineteen eighty nine. There are dots to follow with some back research available to us now. So that's interesting, Alana. I appreciate that. I hadn't heard of that one. But I think there is some definitely some compartmentalization with it. Um, I mean, unless you wanted to address anything else, I want to I want to I want to ask you boys a question. Um, in reference, I would say just, just to that, I was just going to say yeah, certainly yeah. compartmentalization has to exist. Uh, you know, because we th there's always going to be um, you know core secrets that that mm. should remain should remain secret because we don't want foreign adversaries to. To get hold of them, but you hear this argument made time and time again. Secret? That's been my thought, right? What if we're all hiding the same secret? 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, so so nuclear nuclear proliferation. We know that Russia has nuclear assets, China has nuclear assets, the U.S. has nuclear. A lot of countries have uh, the the capability to uh, you know end our world with uh, what is it? Mutual assured destruction, right? So Mm -hmm. if if the U.S. is sitting on technology that is this game changer, uh, well, then if if another adversary um, you, you know, has access to that same technology, well, then we're no different. We're no better off than where we are now. Everyone has mm. nuclear bombs that can destroy one another. So we know, we, we're in no different scenario if more than one nation has uh, access to this exotic technology that mm. maybe comes from uh, you know, crash retrieval programs. So I don't, I don't buy the argument that everything needs to be um, you know, at this such a, a classified core secret level, we, we're not asking. We're not asking for the blueprints behind uh, UAP. We just no. want to know. Have you found what you it is. any gravity? Have you solved yeah, we, any we, gravity? Well? We want to know what it is, what its origin is, and yeah. maybe uh, what it is, where it's from, and potentially when it's from. If it's not from this this time. Look, I agree with the missing the point there, right? What if there are no foreign adversaries? I wonder that as well. You know what I mean? Mm, like, obviously, yeah. unfortunately, the overshadowing thing of the last few years is it's quite clear that there is a seems to be a functioning something behind behind the, the perceived government. You know what I mean? Like the mm. the evidence for reptilians. The black... <laughs> 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 you know, we talked about the black black programs we talked about the the missing money and that's only the u.s missing money every country's got missing billions and or trillions of dollars right that you know a hammer costs 100 grand you know like um you know where's all that money going what are they actually doing with it um it's it's interesting you know i wonder whether there are adversaries you know and there seems to be you know the uptick in technology and yeah I, i wonder i mean looking through the questions it's 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 we've answered a lot of this stuff where it's like, is it a drip mm. feed? Are we going to get drone tech? I mean, I, I honestly wonder boys that, you know, we'll wake up tomorrow and go, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we created the the space force back in 2016. Oh, we built a fleet of ships. Here they are. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just tomorrow we get a, a fleet of stealth bombers. Like, you know, like has happened a couple of times in the past. Right. Um, but their UAP technology. I mean, you talk Grant, a lot about crash retrieval. I mean, do you believe in some of the stuff that says that maybe they found some of this stuff in, in some of these old sites, these ancient ruins of megalithic architecture and stuff like that? Uh, well, quite quite possibly. I mean, uh, again, we know that, um, you know, uh, whether you believe him or not, I mean, what has Bob Lazar said that uh, he's, he's, he's told that he was, he observed nine crafts in, in hangars, one of which appeared to be from an uh, an old archaeological dig. So um, if there is... And that's the story that echoes as well, though, isn't it? That's not the first time we've... No, we've uh, heard that, this... you know, time and time again. I mean, you know, look at... Um, I mean, if you just follow uh, Roswell, I mean, even before Roswell, you had mm. 1945, you had Trinity, you know. We have yeah. uh, purported crash retrievals of of objects. What What, what those objects were... We can we we don't have any evidence to definitively say mate. what they were. Old balloons. <laughs> we're the old balloon gate again. So we've <laughs> we, we've come full circle again. You know. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's what I found funny about it because that's what Roswell was. No, 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 no. It's just a weather balloon. Don't worry about it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Uh, <laughs> but what do you call you, want... you call them out of place artifacts, don't you? With these um, weird technologies that have been, keep coming across. 
Yeah, well, there's oopart. There's there's out of place artifacts. There, there's a new term that's sort of entering the zeitgeist that I like a lot. A lot, um, which has shifted the research. It's out of place technology, right? So there's in museums all over the world. There's these interesting pieces that are like instead of looking at it as some you know it's always some religious sacrificial thing, right? But if you step back and look at it as a um, a piece of technology, right? Maybe it's a, a cog from here or something from this or something from that. Um, maybe, or maybe it's copied from the, the maybe the, the, the technology's gone, but someone found the mold and went, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Let's make a, make a this or whatever, right? Um, there's, you know, there's the schist disc. There's, I'm actually, you, you're wandering into future uh, research and podcasts here. I'm actually going to put together some slideshows. Um, I've got some stuff that I'm working on. Um, to sort of outline this sort of out-of-place technology that potentially could be there alongside with the out-of-place artifacts. I think if we start looking at those two things side by side and maybe some of the UBSART isn't UBSART, it's not an artifact, maybe it's a, a piece of technology potentially. Um, yeah, I think so. And, I, and, the, and the thing is the, the evidence for that is not uh, insubstantial, right? There is a lot, mm. a lot there. And it goes back to the stories, boys, you know what I mean? The... The ancient stories, the angels from heaven in their flying machines, you know, the, the Nephilim technology, right? The the Atlantean technology. I know we're sort of we're starting to use trigger words here now, but you know, there's 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 not insignificant evidence for that. There, that something an advanced civilization did once exist here uh, on this planet a certain period of time ago. However, there's a um, you wanted to put your two cents in there, Anthony, or are you right? Yeah, yeah, I'll quickly throw another. So we were talking about like the drip feeding topic, right, and how it all affected the generations um, previous. So like, you know, obviously religion, backgrounds, all stuff, everyone's going to be blowing mm-hmm. their minds over the if they were to go and introduce this AET or whatever these things are. Mm. Now, I sort of feel like they are sort of preparing us uh, with this new generation, as you mentioned, like, you know, because we're, the kids, our kids today are like, really into technology they accept pretty much everything media is also uh sort of honing everyone in on the acceptance of everything you know like we're accepting the gays more with you know uh, all that sort of topics like you know, everything races you know we're trying to they're trying to they're trying to i know what you're trying to say right i know what you're trying yeah, to say. trying to trigger anything yeah. else you know because yeah. someone's gonna go gonna say, shit yeah. me i'm sure of it but you know like, they're you know it's could have worded that one a little um, better but that's all good man we'll, we'll, <laughs> i'm just trying to narrow it down <laughs> You know, they're trying to narrow it down so everyone's all accepting. You know, there's no dividing in a sense. Yeah. If I'm making sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So on this, everything's being accepted with our gen- new generations there. So bringing out this sort of acceptance here, they're going to be mm. accepting to ETs or a newer technology that defies what we're understanding is to. Mm. So there won't be a big mass hysteria. Mm. Everyone will be like, yeah, cool. No worries. All right. Yep. That's kind of cool. We're, we accept this now because we're so accepting in this new generation, you know. Mm. I know this might be a bit triggering on that sort of term, but uh, that's my two bold better. No, no, I, I, <laughs> think, no, I think I, I hear what you're saying there. I hear what you're saying is that there, I mean, there's it depends on how deep you want to, yeah, social engineering. I like that term. Mm, um, it. You know, it depends on how deep you want to go, right? I mean, if you look at the the uptick in Marvel superhero movies and, you know, there's a whole heap of stuff that's uh, the hero stories that a lot of it's all space based stuff, right? There's a lot of space mm. stuff. Um, and is that desensitizing us to, you know, are we going to come back to North Sentinel Island? Are we the alien ant farm? And maybe our overlords are like, well, we need to let these people know because they're going to find out eventually and they're probably going to be annoyed. Um, so maybe we need to slow drip them into the way. Uh, 
we don't want to start that, Michelle. Let's yeah, that's that right, that's right. <laughs> I really appreciate the comment, but we, we're not going to start that today. Um, it, it, look at, yeah, unlocking, <laughs> unlocking the code, we, 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 we'll, we'll cover that at some point because it needs to be spoken about. Um, but yeah, I think maybe, right? I think maybe, but there's, you know, when we, we, we started talking about, you know, everything needs to be on the table. Okay. So, um, look, I, you know, I think I, I, you know, there's a book behind me that I've brought out on a couple of the, the, the live streams. It's an alien book that I've had since I was 12, right? I've been in this rabbit hole for a long time. Yeah. And just a bit. <laughs> just a bit yeah. Yeah. And so I've seen, all sides of it, all understandings of it. And, you know, there seems to be, I don't know why it boils down to two sides that seems to be the human condition, but there's the nuts and bolts side of things, which I means pretty much the focus that we've been talking about tonight. Um, mm. Physical craft, crash retrieval, technology, these sorts of things, right? But then there's what's been sort of, and there's been more than a few people that have mentioned it in the chat. There's the thought that maybe... And it, and, it, and it sort of couples with some of the ancient stories and the occult and the paranormal, the supernatural, right? Are these things interdimensional? Um, are they time skipping? Are they, you know, is the the spiritual, the paranormal and the UAP, UFO phenomena, is it one and all the same, right? And I, you know, we don't subscribe we just click, we, we call it a here at Unlocking the Code, we collect tiles on the mirror ball, right? We're just trying to collect as many perspectives as we can, not tying ourselves to any perspective, okay? Yeah, layers, Michelle. I like it, right? There's layers to this stuff. And, you know, when you, when you do that, you've got to sort of bring into this, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. You mentioned the Skinwalker that Corbell did a documentary on, right? Mm -hmm. Another place of high UAP, UFO activity, but also supposed sightings of interdimensional uh, light beings and all sorts of weird stuff. And when you start expanding that lens across the planet, there's areas all over the place. And there's a couple of weird places here in Australia that uh, have emitted um, a, a similar thing from the Indigenous culture point of view. I mean, where do you boys sit with that? I mean, do you think, like you said, well, you said crypto-terrestrial, which I, I picked up that one. I mean, that's another mm -hmm. new one, right? Um, and look, I sort of, I sit as far as I'm open, a bit like you said, Grant, I will... I'm happy to take in all perspectives and then just see. It, it it seems like it could be a D or the above potentially, which is a little weird and a little scary. But you know, I mean, where do you boys sit with that? The paranormal versus the supernatural versus the UAP versus interdimensional. I mean, is it one and all the same? Because depending on which way you look at it, it could be. Yeah, look, I think um, yeah, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch fascinates me. But the, my one gripe with Skinwalker Ranch is that. Um, it's it's a television show, you know, that the History Channel puts out to uh, to just kind of keep viewers glued to the screen. And my fear with a show like The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch is that it will become, um, you know, the next um, what is it, the, the the Curse of Oak Island or whatever that yeah. you know that that's into like its tenth tenth season or whatever. And, and a fascinating show, but. I think the motivation. Uh, I'm more the, the old Skinwalker stuff, not probably the the. the so the, from the Bigelow days, yeah. So yeah, I think yeah. you know Brandon Fugel. I think his heart is definitely in the right place. I would love to see um, another scientific endeavor, maybe attack uh, the Skinwalker Ranch side. That is very much, uh, you know, maybe a data-driven documentary that's not so much History Channel focused. But then you have other places. Um, a ranch that Bigelow, Robert Bigelow, uh, 
owned b- before around about the same yeah. time as Skinwalker yeah. Ranch, yeah. Mount Wilson Ranch. And mm. there's a guy, um, uh, YouTuber, and I follow, uh, he does some great work, Carl Vibe. Uh, he's he's done some live streams with um, Chris Lato, uh, Chris Bartell, who used to be associated with Skinwalker Ranch in the Bigelow days. Uh, and they're doing some really interesting uh, research and investigation at what's happening at Mount Wilson Ranch. A lot of anomalous activity, um, you know, different readings on scientific instruments that they're using. Mm, yeah, magnetic uh, field stuff. Light ma- spectrum yeah, exactly. Stuff, yeah. And and there seems to be something, um, yeah, and a consciousness element to it as well. So absolutely. Uh, I don't dis- I don't um, you know put that in the oh no that's all BS basket. I think there's definitely something. Uh, worthy of further investigation and scientific, scientific scrutiny behind places like Skinwalker, Mount Wilson, um, you know, other hot, hot, you know, hotbeds or um, hot, mm. hot spots on the uh, on, on in Australia and around the world that uh, are, are renowned for anomalous activity. I mean, look at the Min Min lights in Australia. You know, yeah. they're things that need to be probably investigated as well. I had an experience right. with the Min Mins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was. Um, I could tell that story. We've told it before. Do you want me to tell it again? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, it depends on how much time uh, Grant's got before he's got to go. Really. I'm, I'm good. I can stay for as long as you want. But that, oh, that cool, was mate. going all night then. All right, we're up. My no, that's it. That's it. Let's break the record. No, no. So uh, traveling back, for those that hadn't heard it uh, here, um, traveling back from West, I used to do FIFO uh, out West on the, on the CSVG projects many years ago. And because our boss said that we could basically go home on Sunday, so we – you know, we're Aussies. We took that to the nth degree and we left at one o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning to go home, right? So um, we'd, we'd go, you know, Friday night, go, or Saturday night, go and have a sleep, wake up at midnight, jump in the car, and we'd be home with our families for sunrise, right? And we were traveling from far out west back towards Brisbane, and this light appeared uh, on our left hand side, probably about five Ks out, pretty bright. I would describe it as like a. Uh, a train light, right? However, like I'd spent years out in the field at that point. So I knew where the rigs were. I knew where the sites were. Like there was nothing where that light source was coming from. There was nothing there. Okay. Um, We traveled this road every week for years, right? So we know what's there. And this thing, we were doing 110, 130, 40, whatever whatever speed we were doing, right? It kept kept pace with us for the best part of 15 minutes, never – Never, never moved, never dulled, never like you know we're traveling at that speed, and it never went any further away, any closer. Uh, and yeah, it was about fifteen or so minutes. And after sort of ten minutes, my offsider went, "Do you see that?" Like, because it's early in the morning, we'd had a long swing. You know what I mean? It's like you might, who knows, right? And he's like, "Do you see this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do." It's been kind of freaking me out. It goes good because it's freaking me out too. And we sort of became aware of it. And then it was there maybe a minute, two minutes, and then it, it disappeared as quickly as it, as it came. Um, and that's it. That's the story. However, yeah, it kept pace with us, never never moved as far as we were concerned. Uh, and we would have traveled, like I said, 15 minutes, you know, 20, 30 kilometers in that time frame. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. It, it so do you think anywhere. it had an awareness of you? You had an awareness of it. Do you think it had an it awareness seemed, of it, it seemed it was looking at us. Right, it, it wasn't like there was a spotlight on the truck. However, it seemed pointed in our direction, and we were the only we hadn't seen a car for an hour or two. You know what I mean? Like we were, 
you know, we were six hours out and we were sort of two hours in um, and we hadn't seen a car for an hour or two, like barely seen any car. So, and it wasn't like it was directed on the ute, but it looked like it, it felt like it was looking at us, right? Mm-hmm. It felt like it was directed towards us because we were the only moving thing on the road as far as the eye could see. So, um, yeah, weird experience, weird experience. And 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 what have you? Uh, what in your mind's eye do you think it was that you were you were looking at? I just thought Min Min light. Right? I just thought it was a version of a Min Min light. Uh, I mean, I, I spent a long time up in Arnhem Land as a as a teenager, so I, I've spent some time with Indigenous in Arnhem Land and these sorts of things. And you know, you hear these stories from these people, and it's they they talk about it matter of factly, Grant. Like it's not like it's a. It's just it is what it is. Yeah, the Min Min lights are out there. What are they? They're Min Min lights. What are you asking stupid questions for, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. um, they're out there and they will they will see you every now and again. Just don't, you know, probably I think the I think the warning was from when I lived up there was don't walk towards them. Just leave them alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'd love to know if there's been any scientific efforts to um to try and understand what the Min Min lights are, if there are some form yeah, of know. unknown phenomena or or plasmoid that we don't understand that's under intelligent know. control. It's interesting. As far as what I've looked into, it, people try and claim it as like yeah, a form of swamp gas where, you know, the swamp gas is from the... Yeah, I know, they're going swamp gas again. But they're, they're trying to claim it's it balloon, as a, some sort of form balloon. of gas. Long live Alan Hunnick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they reckon it's like flex, reflections from the car lights, all sorts of stuff from the gases surrounding the areas there or even distant city lights, which I think is a bit absurd in my mm. opinion. But that's about as far as they're trying to claim it as, or like, you know, a bit of a weather phenomenon, like, you know, hot and cold sort of creating like, a, you know, as they got haze from the heat coming up from the ground. Mm. But yet people are seeing these things that are, have their own mentality or not mentality, but like their own will, basically. Yeah. So that they would Look, follow I, you or go in their own directions. Yeah. Like, as if they've got some sort of... Um, sentience, some sort of consciousness. Yes. Some, yeah, something yeah, like that. Some I mean, yeah. Like I said, you know, we, you know, the the statute of limitations has passed. We were doing 140 kilometers an hour, so you know, Jeez, we Jane, traveled... mate, what's what you were doing? <laughs> <laughs> it was 140. No, it was 140 because the U did sit nice on 140 on cruise control. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Um, but yes, I mean, if you think 15, 20 minutes, you know, that's 30, 40 k's that we traveled in that time frame. Um, yeah. And it didn't move. It didn't shift. It didn't. It 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 stayed with us, but didn't move any closer, any further away. Mm. Uh, and I think once we, like, we were both aware of it, but once we verbalised the fact that we were aware of it, it didn't hang around much longer after that. Mm. Right. So we sat there, both sat there in silence for a good ten minutes, and not having responding, not talking about it. But mm. once we actually talked about it. It was gone very soon after that. So you know, is wow. is that is that proof, right? The fact that we acknowledged its existence um, means it knew that we were talking about it, and it and it left, um, and it, and it just winked on and winked off, right? That it, it was yeah. not, it was nothing. There was no fading or anything else like that. It was just like boom, right? And then stayed the exact same place, 15, 20 minutes or so, and then winked out again. Um, you know, and the, yes, you say boon boon lights down south, right? So there's each tribe, each sect, they have different words for them, but they mm-hmm. are, it's a matter of a fact thing. They exist. Okay. Um, you know, you talked about, uh, we, you know, you talked about the crypto stuff, right? So I did a, 
uh, a Yowie podcast um, with a friend of, you know, a good friend of the show last year. And sort of like, I know I, what Anthony has said to me when we've had discussions about his guests, right? It's that how do we know that they, we believe that they believe what they saw, right? This is the thing because you can get sucked into a story and you can, I mean, I had these boys in the studio and I could see the fear in their eyes when they were talking about the experience that they had. They were there. They saw it in their mind. This is what happened to them. Mm. And I thought I just thought to start putting the feelers out for, um, you know, Yowie stuff. And it's surprising the amount of people went, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like especially a few old cow cockies and stuff that I know, a few old rangers. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, when we used to, when we used to drive the horses, you know, from up north, we just used to have to go around this one patch in the forest. And like, why? And they go, oh, no, you don't go in there. Mm. Well, what do you mean you don't go in there? Because that's where the Yowies live, man. You know what I mean? Like it's like, and it was just, again, matter of fact for these people that have lived on the land here in Australia that, and look, I've been in the bush, you know, so I spent you know best part of 16 years FIFA around Australia and Australasia. Um, there's definite places that I've been to, you know, and even in my my field trips for megaliths and hunting stones down, you know, or even just being in the bush camping, there's, there's places that you feel that you don't want to go, right? It's like, or you walk into somewhere, it's like, we need to get out of here right now, mm. right? And there's there's no real explanation for that. However... We've all had that feeling, right? And is, and is that is it all related? You know, did did you guys catch Eric Weinstein's podcast on the JRE when he was talking about the physics and the and the and all those sorts of things? I think that was very fascinating as well. Yeah, that was a a, a, a really great episode of um, the Joe Rogan experience. I I, I, I really enjoy. It. I didn't understand everything that Eric no, Weinstein said because I don't you, have a yeah, physics you, background, but no, you've got um, a, I, I really. Um, yeah, I really take Concepts time to listen to what he has to say. Yeah. It really, yeah, if you haven't seen Anthony, it's a really good conversation. You should definitely uh, definitely check it out. But was that a recent one or was it? Yeah, it's a recent one. No, it's only last only week. Only a week ago or something. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, no, I haven't kept up with most of the podcasts at the moment. Um, no, no, yeah. When you head back to work, man, put that one on the playlist. Mm. That's a good one. Um, you're going to have to listen to it twice. I think I've listened to it twice already trying to grasp <laughs> the concepts. But basically what he's talking about is that we've spent, you know, I think – you know, they mentioned of CERN um, and, you know, yes, yeah, you feel, yeah, the heebie-jeebies for sure, Michelle. Yeah, that's what we got. And that was the thing. Once we sort of, we were both getting hair, the heebie-jeebies. Hair up on your neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we were both getting the heebie-jeebies. It's like, man, are you seeing this, right? Because it was starting to freak us out a little bit. And then once we acknowledged that, that it, it winked out not long after that. Um, where was I? What was I talking about? I just lost my train. Yeah, I, would, I would. It's it's on my bucket list to have a, a my own UA, UAP sighting. So I uh, <laughs> one of these days I, I haven't. Um, I got a few contacts that are um, proponents of advocate, advocates for the CE five. So you know, one day to to go out on a little. Uh, yeah, well, we were supposed uh, to do that. Road trip we, yeah, we were just. But honestly, happen. we didn't need to. We saw something strange as it was, so like we yeah, didn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we saw some interesting stuff up there for sure. I mean, the uh, same goes for Yowie too. Like I, I've, um, uh, I've been a, a big fan of all things Yowie, Sasquatch, Bigfoot for for many, many years. And years ago, when um, Matt, uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck had a. Uh, a, a screenwriting contest called Project Greenlight. You may have remember that from back oh, in the day, where yeah, you, your every day, everyday Joe could uh, could write a screenplay and submit it to a competition. And if it if it got selected as the winning screenplay, mm. uh, you would be able to direct 
you know, a film for a million dollars. And and I wrote a screenplay uh, on um, on 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 the Yowie, kind of like a mm. six friends go to have a, a weekend away at the snow and snowy mountains, where there's been historical lot yeah, of uh, Yowie yep. activity. Yep. And uh, and yeah, I, I just soaked myself up in that topic and did of a did a lot of research. But that's 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 a whole fascinating topic in itself. That yeah, um, cryptozoology is interesting. Remind mm. me, boys. I've got um, we went. One of the trips we went on last year, um, we got some interesting footprints that mm. I, I sent to a mate of mine who's very skeptical. He's like, "Oh yeah, what kind of what kind of you know what kind of footprints have you got?" And then I get a message back about half an hour later, going, "Have you got any more of this stuff?" And I had like video and stuff, and I sent it all to him. And he's like, "Man, that is interesting." But basically, it's a big cat. It mm. looks like a big massive cat paw. Um, and you know, and then the boy, the the bloke, the boy, the bloke who took the photos had his boot you know he had like a size 11 boot next to this and it was like it was running through the mud right you could see where it's running through the mud but yeah it was a massive paw um which was yeah and he's very skeptical right um anthony you you and anthony uh, him and anthony would get along really well right because anthony doesn't believe anything either um but uh uh yeah it he's like no you've what is that you've got something there that's not nothing right so you know, the layers and the complexities of this, um, they never end, do they, boys, right? And, 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 and we don't have it. I think what the important thing is, and we all try and do this ourselves, is that remain objective. You know, you, you've mm-hmm. got to – nothing's off the table, right? And the crazier it sounds, well, it's just got to be in the file, okay? All right, I think that's crazy, but we can't leave it – you can't leave it, right, because it – it might be there could be something to cryptozoology or interdimensional technology, different types of physics and understandings and timelines, and who knows, man? You know. Well, I mean, you know, Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, you hear about all the the anecdotes and the historical stories to come out of that ranch. You know, pre, even pre Ned's days, where you had uh, you know, reports of um, skinwalkers or werewolf activity on the, yeah, on the yeah, ranch. Yeah. You've got um, sighting of uh, these huge bipeded hominid creatures, mm-hmm. you know, Bigfoot-type kind of creatures. So uh, is there a, is there also a connection the or correlation? There's also the surrounding ranches and skinwalker as well. If you start expanding that research. The whole you went to basin area. Yeah. yeah, the whole basin there, right, where it's like you go and rent a uh, – you go and rent a property there or and there's like 15 locks on the inside of that door, right? It's like mm-hmm. – and that wasn't just one ranch. That was all ranches where they were literally barring themselves inside the house of the nighttime because of what was going on outside the house, I imagine, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, you know, and there's – as I say, there's stories like that down under here as well, right? Like I said, I ran into a few old ranches and cow cockies and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you just yeah, – when you go and like – obviously a straight shot from one farm or one ranch to another is the best part. However, depending on mountain ranges and stuff, however, yeah, they would fully divert and have to go around, like divert 15 Ks out of the way to go around this one section of forest, like between North Queensland and, you know, Western Queensland in order to miss this patch because no one was brave enough. The horses, the cattle, no one was going to go in there. Mm. Right. Um, and these are yeah, these are hard hard men. We're like, oh no, we're not going. <laughs> yeah. No, no, there's something in there. We're not going in there, right? Um, you know, there's something to this phenomena that is is does seem to have legs. I think you know. Yeah, that's the biggest thing to take from this whole topic, even just paranormal and UFO or anything in that sort of nature. 
that everything is happening worldwide. You know, there's yeah. so so much commonality, it, common ground in the whole topic. And it gets your imagination running wild as well. I mean, I, oh, I remember really my fun. first yeah. my mm. it, it is it's very. I mean, my first foray into the the whole Bigfoot law was. I mean, the first time I saw you know the PGF, the Patterson Gimlin film. Um, to this day has not been, um, you know, formally debunked. I think it's one of the, the best pieces of, um, of, of visual footage that you have captured on what's purported to be um, a Bigfoot. And, and the first time I saw that as a young child, I was just absolutely fascinated. And then when you, your, your, your mind runs wild with the possibilities of when you're out camping or when you're out uh, alone or with uh, you know, a small group bushwalking, uh, it's it, yeah. Your, your mind can play tricks on you, but it can also be it can be a friend as well as can be a foe as well. So yeah, absolutely. and that was with a 30, 40 year old camera too. And yet we have these high definition cameras in our pockets, and we still can't get a Bigfoot. <laughs> we can't get a, you can't get UFOs either, mate. They can't even get a UFO, like But I mean, I mean, does that? I heard an interesting theory the other day that again we don't we don't take any theories away. Where is it an interdimensional like? I mean, if there's a UAP that is interdimensional or is a, um, I can't, what's the multi-facet vehicle? No, I'm missing the thing. How can transmedium vehicle, right? That can create its own space time and all these sorts of things. It's probably going to have a, you know, just have a little switch on the dash, right? Yeah, just yeah, just hit that switch, and no one's going to get a photo of us. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like the old yeah. Jetsons, just yeah, flick a switch right. and you yeah, just switch. Yeah. No, no one's going to get a photo of us. Well, I was thinking more like cloak technology or just like no, distortion. you know, distortion technology, so no one gets a clear yeah. shot of it. Mm. Um, it's yeah, it's so fascinating, boys. Um, we're, we're approaching we're approaching the two hour marks. I mean, where, where did you boys want to go to finish off? Did you want to talk about anything else? Or uh, I'm I'm glad that you fellas are open to that. I was wondering whether you'd be just nuts and bolts, but I'm I'm su- it's super stoked that you're open to all perspective because I think I think we're going to figure out, gents, that it's maybe a D or the above. Uh, yeah, I got I got a little one to throw in for you. Um, this is thanks to one of the listeners here, uh, Jamie, throwing a bit of uh, research for me to go and look into. And I don't know if you've ever heard of. Uh, tetrachromacy now i'll give yeah. you a little run of what that is it's, it's a condition where a person has four cone types in their retina rather than the standard three that most people have red green and blue so they're seeing a different spectrum of colors oh, um, which gives them the possible ability to see something of a paranormal nature yeah or of a ufo you know something of that sort of aspect but i looked deeper into it but it's only common in women now, okay. when you look into the history of the whole paranormal and UFO sort of stuff, there's always seems to be a common ground where most w- women are mostly seeing these things. So, yes. whether it be because they're, you know, a different mindset or, you know, something in that sort of woman's nature, or mm. it could be this tetrachromacy ability that they have that they unknowingly have. And they're seeing these weird things and going, oh, I'm seeing these weird objects, beings, creatures, whatever. Mm. So, that's to go and throw that in there as a bit of a, that's interesting. Research I want to look into that. Yeah. To, yeah. Can we, very can, send me send me the word, like what that word is. I want to do a bit of deep diving. Tetrachromacy. Tetrachromacy. Mm. Yeah, because look, you know, you're getting into as amazing as our eyes are, we literally only see one point eight percent of the light spectrum or something like that. Mm. Right. There's like literally ninety nine percent of what's going on around us. We've got no idea. We can't yeah. see it. Yep. Um so, you know, who knows, man? You know, like we could be coexisting with, you know, depending on where you are on the light spectrum, right? I mean, and then we start yeah. messing with physics and, and gravity and, 
you know, I mean, gravity's captured my attention the last sort of 12, 18 months, this anti-gravity technology. Uh, you know, there's the Bendor motor that theoretically is coming out, um, which is using, you know, plasmoid generators and, you know, all the uh, thunder thunder generators and these sorts of things, which is using, using implosion technology as opposed to explosion technology, which is utilising sacred geometry and uh, vibration and frequency. You know, I mean, there's these things that we need to try and understand because, you know, obviously my bread and butter is the megalith stuff, right? I mean, you, I've already had to grasp these concepts because how do you take a 1,200-ton stone or a 900-ton stone mm. and put it on top of a hill, mm. right, um, without understanding gravity or vibration or frequency or energy? How do you do that? Um, you know, and that's been done multiple times all over the planet. Uh, so we, we've got to open our minds to all possibilities and I think the broader your mind is, the more accepting you can be of whatever it ends up being, I think. Yeah. You know? I saw a, um, I'm open-minded to things, but yeah, I'm a bit not open to this one. Someone came up with a theory that they floated these things on top of the pyramids. Like, you know, when they're building the pyramids, they floated everything up on top of the pyramid. Oh, yes, like, that's, how yeah, they, yeah, how yeah. How can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> so like, um, mass, massless. No, oh, yeah, yeah, well, f- like floated, like as in anti gravity type stuff, or no, 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 using water. water. Sorry, I should have said, yeah, oh, water. actually, float yeah. as in, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that's um, yeah, the 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 giant water pump theory is one that is uh, an interesting one. I had a guy, interesting guy by the name of Stephen Myers, I had him on the show last year, year before, I can't remember. He's been on the show to discuss his theories. He's an interesting cat, he's very uh, tied to his theories, I suppose, is the is the polite way to put it. Um, however, it's not insignificant, you know, that you've got to take a few leaps and a few stretches to, to get to where, how do they supply water and all these sorts of things. Exactly. And, and, and just and to even ha- get the height. Yes. Yes. And, and well, this is the, well, I don't know whether Angus is, Angus is still, uh, listening, but he was actually fixing our water here in Brisbane, listening to us. Uh, he's one of the our helpers on the show. However, um, yeah, I mean, he talks about hydrology and stuff like that. That's literally his job, uh, you know. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, th- we don't know, right? Th- th- that's mm. the bottom line. I mean, there's the recent discovery in the Great Pyramid that there was a void under the chevrons at the gate. Yeah. I don't know whether you guys have seen that. Tunnel. Yeah. yeah. See, and this is interesting. Um, and again, the 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 live listeners and, you know, this, this show, again, I'm, I'm going to – this is a snapshot. I'm going to make it. I'm actually want to talk to Angus about it uh, on the next show that we do together. However, I always thought that was the door, right? And it turns out it's not the door. I always thought that those chevrons, um, because underneath those chevrons in the Great Pyramid, it's been. It looks like it's been built in, right? I always thought that if we actually just jimmied that out, you would have an arch, and that would be the the the, the official door or entrance uh, to the Great Pyramid. But as, you know, looking at that void that they released, and it's technically not, right? And, mm. um, I mean, well, Steve Myers, he, he put a meme up today, I think. He's like, is the, is the void more interesting or is the stones that are in the void more interesting, right? And I think potentially it's the stones in the void. Um, but we're going to do a bit more of a, a deeper investigation into that. Uh, yeah, look, it's fascinating. There, there's levels of tech and there's levels of understanding and there's, there's, there's levels of competence uh in trying to understand these things that go across so many different disciplines you know i think the thing is boys with this uap transmedium anti-grav technology i do think and have always thought that 
one of the things holding us back in our three-dimensional existence is the fact that we think science and spirituality are different, right? Because in order to harness transmedium or anti-gravity technology, that's harnessing the ether. That's that's harnessing the things that are in between the things that you know that's that we can't see, right? We just talked about the fact we can't see ninety-nine percent of what's going on around us. Um, and in order to grasp that, it's almost a spiritual aspect to it. It's like you need to understand that there is things between things that hold everything together, you know, which is the ether or, you know, whichever way you want to describe that. Um, and once we start harnessing that, yeah, I don't know, like we can start skipping across the skipping across the cosmos, which I think was what Eric Weinstein was trying to get to get to in a scientific way trying to use physics to under to, to describe that you know what i mean mm. Mm. and look at the the recent publication that came out that um physicists use quantum mechanics to pull energy out of nothing so yes there is now uh yeah which is tesla tech that's tesla tech that's otis car that's all that yeah and 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 you know more and more of this stuff is being uh scientifically uh, explored, investigated. And, and that's that's just my wish that more uh, ac- academia and, and more members of the scientific community took this uh, this topic seriously and and, mm. and gave it the scrutiny and respect that it deserves, like the Galileo Project, like uh, the folks yeah. at Enigma, Enigma Labs who are allowing everyday folks to report uh, anonymously, if they so desire, so that we can develop mm. this, they can develop a huge database, and then you have your know, advocacy groups like the good work of Ryan Graves. You know, he's just mm-hmm. uh, founded mm-hmm. a new nonprofit, Americans for a Safer Aerospace, yes. uh, to to kind of you know uh, address a lot of the safety of flight issues. And I was talking, you know, yeah. if if we get more members of the scientific and, and academic community to take this topic seriously, I think we would we would know a lot more than we currently do today if they uh, just pushed the ego aside and and said, you know, F you stigma and just mm. follow the facts and data wherever it, wherever it leads and not be worried about their PhD or yeah. their, their funding. And But that's a sad reality for a lot of folks that are in the academic and scientific community. It is, isn't it? I mean, and I think all of us now, well, I think podcasting, the these platforms that we all operate on, uh, it's widened the gaze of a lot of people. And, you know, we've sat here and haven't really tried and we're two hours in, boys, right? And we, we've really only scratched the surface on a few different things that we could explore again and again. And the internet's basically shown us that we're all the same anyway, okay? Mm. You know, my little indie podcast is listened to all over the planet, literally, right? There's There's not a country I'm pretty sure that we haven't been listened to. Uh, and, you know, so that tells me that sort of scares me that that's how many people have listened to my voice. However, <laughs> at the same time, what it does show is that the variation and the understanding that we're all the same, you know what I mean? We're all interested in this same thing. We're all, it doesn't matter where you're from, who you are. And I think as a collective, there's a fair percentage of us now that would be totally open to, as I say, getting over ourselves and collaborating right let's come together mm-hmm. let's whatever whatever we can contribute let's move the collective forward right and i mean i know some of the people were talking about the one world government and all that sort of stuff and unfortunately that could be a side of the narrative that's in play but i i would look maybe maybe it's a pipe dream but i'd still like to think that love is the answer and maybe we can we can get together and and, and share you know and 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 move it move the 
move the world forward as opposed to having these control structures in place that completely agree totally agree yep i mean you're always going to have there's always going to be your doomsday preppers even Mm. you know if there is if if a disclosure event happens or if there is a disclosure announcement you'll always have the doomsday preppers and folks that uh you know, question uh, their their whole being. But then you'll have folks that just get up and go to work, do their nine to five, because there are more important things to them than, um, you know, the, the thought of an extraterrestrial intelligence out there. But mm. then you have the folks like us that are very passionate about this topic and we just want, um, you know, transparency and, and mm. to, to know what is fact and what is, uh, what is fiction. Uh, so I think we, we, we live in an, a, an incredibly exciting, I mean, it's, I think it's the most exciting time to be alive because the the mm. pace, the speed that information can be disseminated now. I mean, you know, who writes letters one another to one another these days? I mean, snail yeah. mail is a thing of the yeah. past. Everything yeah. is done digitally, electronically. You know, you have, uh, you know, it, business happens at the uh, at, at the the speed of a tweet. Uh, you know, everything happens uh, at at the speed of information. So we mm. we live in such a we, we're so privileged to live in this age and. That's why I'm so I'm excited to come on to shows like yours and have these conversations and 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 do uh, research topics that we find fascinating investigating because it is uh, we all have uh, a a curiosity about Mm. the unknown. We want to answer those three big questions: Are we alone in the universe? Is there a God? And what happens when you die? And there's many other Mm. questions that folks have, but they're I guess the big three ones that. Uh, you know, have sat with, sat with uh, us as a, a species for so long. But um, I had a question for you, Triffin, actually. I was interested to get your thoughts on, um, do you follow the, the guys at Uncharted X? Yes. What, what are your thoughts on their research on the, was it the, the pre-dynastic ancient Egyptian granite vase? I know they're doing well, this is this on- is This is the out-of-place technology that we're starting to mm. discuss, that we're starting to see, Okay. So yeah, Ben from Uncharted X, he's an Aussie guy. His stick is actually on the on the studio door here. Um right. and yeah, he has so from a private collection, he's got a vase analyzed uh by basically aviation engineers, and they're using the most up-to-date modern technology to measure how these vases were made. And like I said, it goes back to this out-of-place technology. So the vase isn't out-of-place technology. But how did they make a vase out of rose granite? Okay. Mm. And we're talking about tolerances to seven thousandths of an inch off being perfect and ten thousandths of an inch off being perfect in a vase, right? Mm. Of which they are there is hundreds of examples around the world. So this was something that they could do easily, right? These are these are granite uh, vases that are made perfectly. There's all sorts of stuff like this. And again, this is part of a larger presentation that I want to have a bit more of a deeper look at. But th- that's, that's where the evidence is, right? And I remember years ago, uh, they had an Egyptian uh, thing come to Brisbane and we went and saw it. Me and, me and the missus escaped the fairies and, and went and saw the Egyptian exhibit. And, you know, we start. There was like a whole cabinet of like a brush and a this and a that, and they were all so elegantly made and all so beautifully made. And it it dawned on me like these are everyday common objects that we buy down at Woolworths. Okay, it's not like there was just one of these things made. They had the ability to mass manufacture 
some of the common and these are like beautiful golden brushes and 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 hair things and makeup and all this sort of stuff and it was all beautifully made in these little containers and tins it's like what we need to do is like yes the pyramids amazing these megaliths are amazing all this sort of stuff right so it's like okay with the vase let's talk about the vase for a second so okay what's the machine that built the vase number one how could you just manipulate rose granite which is i think is you know in the in the top part of the hardness scale as far as rocks are concerned but it's also brittle as well because it's got crystalline structures in it and if you hit a crystalline structure wrong it just cracks and misses the whole thing up right so okay what machine made the vase that machine was obviously able to make those vases at will it seems right but then what's the machine that made the machine, right? Because the machine that made the machine had to be more accurate than the machine that makes the vase, okay? And then you've got to expand out. What what level of understanding do you have of generic? Uh, you know, if your technology has got to the generic state where you're making vases with it, where else is it going? What else is it doing? That's mm-hmm. why building a, a pyramid with 6.3 million stones that it's, you know, and all the alignments that come with that and the different numbers. You've got to, you've got to suspend your disbelief. I mean, you can even talk about, um, you know, like somewhere like Gobekli Tepe, which is the oldest man-made uh, astrological observatory. In order to make Gobekli Tepe, not only did you have to manipulate stone, you had to know where northeast south was, you had to know geology, you had to know, you know, physics, you had to know mathematics, you had to know, you know, logistics. Like it just never. Ever, yeah, a five-axis mill. That's what, yeah. So basically, what the Uncharted X boys are saying is that the only thing that comes pl- comes close now is a proper five-axis CNC machine. Wow, right, yeah. that's the only thing. And but even then, there's been other guys that operate CNC machines that have reviewed the Uncharted X work, and basically they've said this would be hard to do in acrylic. Right, so just to just to do it in plastic yeah. to have to have the get, exact same dimensions. Let alone in rose granite, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone in rose granite, or you know, but you got to remember too that this uh, the the story goes out of Egypt that it was done with copper chisels, man. You know what I mean, and diorite yeah. balls and all this. Just, just it's just ridiculous. Um, mm. But it, but it, it does feed into a lot of what we were talking about earlier. Whereas there's this um, stigmatism, or there's the. Uh, the old guard, right? You know, we, we're everybody's waiting for this next generation to die off, so we can move the move the conversation forward. Um, and I think that's the yeah. It thre- threatens the reputation of the classic archaeologist who's uh, yeah. who's you know come up through the, the 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 traditional way of thinking and 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 study, and it and it uh, and it, it it threatens their their paradigm, doesn't it? Mm, so they absolutely they, yeah. They just yeah. push it to the side. It's it's, it's fascinating. It? I only recently read about that in um, yes, yeah. Look, they're, they're doing they're doing some very very valuable work. I mean, I think mm. um, yeah, Ben made his money in technology or something, and now he's he's just been dedicating his life to this uh, advanced ancient civilization mystery, and he does valuable work. I mean, you boys actually would be very interested in the Brothers of the Serpent. They have a UFO series. Like, it's mm. buckle in because it's like 10 episodes, I think, that this Marty Gaza has done. And I'd love to get your viewpoint on some of those yeah. ones as well. Um, yeah, Brothers of the Serpent, the UFO episodes are very, very interesting. Pop me a link if you've got one. in. Uh, in yeah, I will, man. I will. I'll send it to yeah. you via Twitter for sure, yeah. Okay, um, cool. But, yeah, and, and again – so does the ancient advanced tech that was made in Egypt, who knows how many thousands of years ago, the pyramids, the megaliths, 
the fact that LIDAR, they keep scanning LIDAR in South America, they keep finding city to citadels and highways. And like I think the latest estimate is that the amount of people that existed in South America was over 150 million uh, people once existed in South America. Like the Amazon jungle is a planted jungle. Okay, that's that was a lot of that jungle was done on purpose. Um, they've actually now know because there's different sections of jungle that have different things, and there's evidence of agriculture. It's basically the Amazon basin. You know, whatever happened to the Mayans and the people that existed in that continent um, when they left, the Amazon just got out of control, basically. But mm. from what they understand, that a lot of that basin is actually planted. Um, yeah, right. And it makes you wonder. Through, yeah. Makes you wonder, you know, is this technology that's just been lost to time and in, in so. the ages, yeah. uh, or is it? Yeah, or is, I mean, and how many, how many resets have there been over the mm. millennia of <clears throat> yep. you know human species that have gotten to a level of advancement and then through mm. some form of cataclysm, mm. the reset restart the clock and you start all over again. So I think uh, a lot. I think a lot. I mean, even in just in the like. There's like a 16, I'm trying to think, which it's, it's either four or 1600 years, the, the Dark Ages, right? The Dark Ages, I think, is 400 years. Mm. Uh, and the reality is we've got no idea what happened in the Dark Ages. Mm. We just, we, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you know, they were medieval and, you know, horses and, you know, whatever else, right? The, the, the reality is we don't, okay? You want to look into something pretty uh, interesting is the melted castles of Scotland. Okay, there's these there's these castles in Scotland and, and across Europe actually that look like they've been the stone on the front of them has been melted, oh, right? right. Um, uh, and look, that legitimately was that a dragon? Okay, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Angus. Yeah, the, the Amazon is planted because of the high con- concentration of food species of trees, right? So. There's so much food in the Amazon and it's actually sectioned out, right? So, you know, the bananas are over here, this is over here, that's over there, and it's obviously crisscrossed. But mm-hmm. if you look at it from a, a downward, uh, there's there's food everywhere, um, which shouldn't be there technically uh, without people planting it there. Um, yeah. So it really throws out the concept of ultra-terrestrials not being out of perspective on history. I don't think they are at all. I don't think they are at all, boys. Yeah, I don't think they are at all, right? Now, here's my theory. I'd like to hear your theory on it, right? But my theory on the ultra-terrestrial thing. So like you boys just said, how many cataclysms has there been, right? So let's pretend for a second that, you know, so theoretically 70,000 years ago, the reset button was hit in a big, big way and all of us stem from 10,000, 8,000, 10,000 people, okay, uh, globally. So let's pretend from 70,000, let's go back, maybe they had a 100,000-year run. Or, or even 70,000 to 12,800 years, right? There's a 50,000-year run where no major cataclysm happens. Now, we went from horseback to rocket ships in 200 years, boys, mm. right? So, you know, what could we do across 50,000 years if we don't blow ourselves up? So let's pretend for a second that there is an advanced race of ultra-terrestrials, okay? Pick whatever flavor floats your boat, okay? However, if they had existed on this planet for, let's say, millions of years okay because we're we're talking craziness here now okay let's say they existed for millions of years how many cataclysms are you going to observe as a species before you figure out that maybe under the water is a better idea right because you know you can fire a 50 cal shell into the water and within three foot it's stopped dead right 
that that movie thing where the bullets are flying through the water that's total that's not not true at all right you can fire a 50 cal sniper rifle shell into a pool the mythbusters did it right to see what it was and within three foot it had stopped right so where's the most stable place if you could develop transmedium technology right and if you could suck oxygen out of the ocean which it does have right if you needed oxygen maybe they live in under the water man maybe there is ultra terrestrials under the water okay what you know there's there's a number of persistent myths that echo across the globe and one of them is an underwater people or an under you know the the the, the people the ant the ant people from under the planet right um that's it, another, it kind that's of um, reminds story. me of reminds me of hg wells the time machine you know you've yeah. got the eloy and mm. the morlocks mm-hmm. um it's not uh it's not you know what is it but then Heart- Art imitating life or life yeah, imitating but, art. But then you then you take into account that recent so basically LIDAR technology um, is accelerating and they're they're penetrating more depths of the planet with the these LIDAR technologies and apparently they've now found oceans underneath the planet, right? Mm. Uh, they've found voids, massive voids underneath our feet. Um, there's this cave in Vietnam you know, another one of those classic stories where someone's standing on the valley on one side and they look across the valley and they see a cave and, yeah, old mate goes over there to explore it and it's one of the largest cave complexes the world's ever known. It's got its own ecosystem. It's got its own atmosphere. You know, plants grow in there, sun gets in there and, like, something could have been hiding in there for who knows how long, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the, the pterosaur stuff, like the flying dragons, right? There is stories of pterosaurs coming out of places like Papua New Guinea and Northern Europe and stuff like that into the 20th century, boys, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, if a dinosaur that can fly, even if there is a cataclysm, you just fly away, you know what I mean? You'll, and you'll find a spot potentially and maybe, who knows, right? I think one of the problems we have at the moment is that because of what's happened over the last few years, our, our trust in everything uh, is is – is gone basically any any sort of institution we're not going to trust anything they say really now that can be scary where that means nothing is real or it means everything is possible which is much more exciting and much more fun to talk about mm. i actually i'd love that uh and i'm going to throw this at i'm going to throw this at anthony then grant dark side of the moon black knight satellite anthony first <laughs> well there's a lot of theories of the black knight satellite um you know, there could possibly have been a bit of space. Ancient tech. Oh, well, I don't know. It's because <laughs> not enough. <laughs> there's not enough evidence on it because there's only been a couple of captures of it, and you know that's yeah. about as far need as need more data. Yeah, the data you need it. You know, there's a lot of claims, and that's all it is. It's just claims and theories and the whole thing. And I don't want to go and speculate too much on it, but like, okay, yes, yeah, misshapen. and it could have been like a parachute from an old bit of space tech that's been thrown up there and it's just been stuck in space all this time, you know? Mm. Or it could have been a, you know, it's one of our little moons that we don't even know that's really existing. But, mm. you know, the satellite technology that we have, we could pick up a moor moor and it's weird-ass shape, you know, for all, that's miles away. Yeah. And yet we can't More pick up this miles. Black Knight thing. You know? So, you know, why can't we figure out what this Black Knight satellite is? Obviously, you know, funding is a thing, but if and it's something that's not concerning in our space, then yeah, there should be that. Should be. And what do you think about some of the? Because I mean, there's some real, real fascinating footage that's come off the moon through super awesome telescopes of 
you know, things coming from the dark side of the moon and stuff like that. There's some interesting stuff there. Um, I think a lot of it's CGI. Um, yeah, do you think a lot of it's CGI? I do. I, I do. Um, if you're talking about like those things that come across the and you can see the shadow on the moon, it's like, no, mate, you can't see that sort of thing from Earth. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, look at the perspe- perspectives here. Like, this thing, the, the moon's like, what, how, how many hundred thousand kilometers away or whatever? Mm. You know, it takes mm. us like, what, two or three days to get there. And from my understanding, the moon is about the size of Australia in size perspectives. Yeah, and you're looking at it from our perspective with a telescope, and being able to see these spaceships flying, they're like the size of those spaceships has to be phenomenal to even be casting a shadow on that mm. moon from our perspective. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So I mean, it's, it's, it's all CGI. It's all CGI. Or it's got it. not... ah, it's, it's as convincing as it is. Like they're done well. I'll I'll give them that. <laughs> if, and if it is real, I and then I don't know. <laughs> leave it up to everyone else's opinions on that one. Well, look, it is it is fascinating that we haven't been back to the moon since yes, what the moon's you know, interesting. Yeah. 1970. So it'll be yeah. certainly interesting to see what comes of these Artemis missions, and then using the moon as a as a uh, you know as a springboard to to get to Mars. So mm. uh, again, exciting time to be alive. You know, like so. What do you reckon? What do you reckon about that? Thing is, the thing is with you, Grant, when are you going to run for parliament, mate? Because you are so slippery when I ask you a question. <laughs> I uh, sit on the fence a lot of the time. I know you do, man. You're like a perennial uh, fence. It's again, good fun I, to I try and get something the, out of you. try and let the data lead, lead me. No, but, I mean, Black Satellite I find sat, uh, fascinating, um, yeah. but I, I kind of tend to agree with Anthony that if there was something to it, with all of the technology that we've got that's Earth-based that can look up uh, and and get you know high-quality, high-fidelity resolution imagery we, we if there was something to it um i don't think that could be kept a secret i mm. think there would be you know we would know more about that um if there was something to it so uh i mean it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun what if to kind of talk about but yeah. i um i don't think there's uh i don't think there's anything to it what i do find interesting though is angus made a comment he said let's not forget mammals took 65 million years to get to humans dinosaurs existed for 130 million years did they become interplanetary so angus you might be interested to learn that i had a chat with a gentleman by the name of brad Voorhees, who does a great podcast called the sonic gravity podcast and he uh he is um postulated well what happened to the 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 most intelligent uh species of dinosaur was not the it was a a breed of velociraptors called the truodon Mm -hmm. which had an opposable thumb what would um, happen if that um, was the, you know, that dinosaur was the, the top of the food chain yeah. and was uh, able to evolve for how many millions of years over time? What, what mm-hmm. would that potentially look like with the evolution of dinosaurs if they, if they weren't um, taken out by an asteroid or so we think? Yes. Uh, yes. Or either yeah. Angus has been watching too much Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, but, and there's bit. that very very cool new movie coming out um that's um called i think it's called 65 where future humans land on prehistoric earth so that'll that'll be a good popcorn movie mm. yeah right yeah right well boys we might uh we might begin to wrap it up we, we we went two hours plus i think we've covered an amazing amount of topics i do I, I was thinking about the moon and what you boys look the moon i think the moon's parked there but that's a different i don't know whether we want to have that conversation now um, it doesn't make sense for it to be as perfect as it is. Uh, yeah, I think the moon is parked there, but I don't know whether you want to talk about that or maybe because we, we 
we run, we, we keep covering topics and we don't have anything next <laughs> we're time. We're going to keep going on. I told you we're doing it all yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. We're just going to see how we break the record. Um, Did you enjoy Moonfall, uh, the movie Moonfall in that case? That was. Uh, I didn't Moonfall. see that one when it came yeah, out. You, 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 came you probably out. enjoy that, that was, one. That was Halle Berry. Was that the Halle Berry one? Yeah, with um, who else was in it? Um, I can't remember his name, but that the moon is uh, is is some form of alien technology. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, we man. did it. We did a um, uh, myself and Loomis. Uh, he's another good bloke. Uh, Chan it down podcast out of Hawaii. We um, we did a moon episode uh, late last year, I think, where we where we just sort of went all through the different possibilities and. The moon fascinates me. It's it's one of those ones that uh, there's there's more questions than answers, right? The size of it, its composition, the fact that you know what I mean. What's it? The fact that it matches the sun and the earth, and blah 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 blah. Right? It's there's more questions than answers, right? Uh, with that sort of with that topic. But boys, I tell you what. How about we do? Um, look, I this conversation was excellent. It was everything I thought it would be. Um, you know, I love the the three way. Uh, there you go, Anthony. You got your three. <laughs> you did it. Thank you. Uh, but I, I love the I love the the banter between us all and the different perspectives, boys. I think, you know, with with this topic continuing to advance, we need to make sure that we we come together on a semi regular basis this year if we can make it happen. I reckon because there's, you know, there's there's always different things to talk about. Um, so you know, final word, boys. So you'll go, Anthony first, and and then Grant. And maybe we we wrap it up for the evening. Um, look, where to go? Look, um, look, obviously there's so much to take in. Like, obviously it's all, it comes down to everyone's personal opinions, really, on the whole topic, where you want to go, with it, how you want to take it. Mm. Biggest thing for me is obviously, like, as we keep mentioning, yeah, keep objective, keep questioning everything. Um, even if you think what you see could be possible UAP, still question it, you know? It's mm. probably likely to be something that you don't understand, but you're just taking it from a different perspective or something, you know? And that's my biggest thing. I try and push the point very strongly on, being objective over and everything and trying to be critical on what you're trying to assess and yeah. what you've seen. And, yeah. you know, I just not to try and disrespect anyone in their, um, in their encounters or what their experiences and whatnot, you know, I firmly believe whatever you've seen, if it's done something phenomenal, then by all means you have seen something of a, um, unnatural nature on our own capabilities. Mm. So, mm. um, I might be so, might be very critical on the, you know, imagery and all sorts of stuff. only because there's, I've had no evidence on my my side of things to go and say otherwise that what you are seeing is genuine. Look, and, man, uh, as, again, uh, not... yeah, I agree, mm-hmm. I, and I think that you, what you got to understand, Anthony, is I think you've I've I've always thought you provide a very valuable service, mate. You know what I mean? You're providing a platform mm-hmm. for people to share their stories objectively, and you're yep, looking at 100%. them objectively, right? And I yeah. think that's very important, right? And I think you know one of the things that excites me about you know this collaboration we've had tonight is that we're all very much on the same page right we're all yeah. very we all have our own levels of skepticism however it's we're open to whatever 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 discovery yeah comes right. along. and that's the one people yeah. understand like don't take us the wrong way when we're trying to like you know be objective on things there we're not trying to question what you're seeing we're just trying to get a better understanding and try and get a bit of a better analysis on things to get an idea of the possibilities of what something can be so mm. that's just that's my biggest mm. thing and it's just what it's what you got to do. And I want people to go and take that on board. You know, time, dates, all the data we keep mentioning. You know, time, dates, yeah. locations, yeah. as much detail as you could possibly give. That's that's where it all helps you 
even if you can start, provide a bit of imagery to go on it, even though it won't give you any more credibility, but the fact that if you can provide all that detail gives that much more credibility to your experience. That's all I'm trying mm. to say. Absolutely. No, I totally agree, mate. I totally agree. Uh, what about you, Grant? What's your what's the final thoughts? Uh, I would totally agree with you. I think it's it's nice that we all, uh, I mean, we all share a, a common bond through our, our passion and interest, and we all have our own unique uh, areas that we're really mm. interested in. I mean, I love that you, Anthony, you, you've developed such a great community of, of folks that uh, feel comfortable enough and, you know, safety and strength in numbers where they can share their stories and their experiences. Mm. It's and it's all valuable. about... It's all about, um, you know, breaking down the walls of stigma. And I think that's what you do really nicely with such a, 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 a huge community that you have as part of your, your Facebook group that, you know, people can share their stories and not feel like they're going to be ridiculed or ostracized for it. And it's, it's, it's perfectly acceptable and uh, reasonable to have, uh, you know, uh, your experience or your photographic or visual evidence questioned, but have it mm. be questioned in a respectful way. Absolutely. You know, it's not about disbelief or you're full of shit or anything like that. It's all about, mm. well, this is what I experienced. I can't question your experience to be true or not true because I didn't experience, but I can certainly exactly. question what you have, uh, you know, what, what, information that you've been able to to capture during experience so I, I love that you have kind of that that human element and the the, the platform for capturing experiences mm. and sightings and mm. and triffin you know your interest in the whole unlocking the code and in ancient civilization and technology aspect and and me coming from my approach of trying to uh you know um engage and advocate for greater conversations mm. to be had on this topic at the government level uh, so that there's a greater degree of transparency. I think we can all, we all add some value to, and that's why I really enjoyed this conversation tonight because it's, yeah, it's great. I've, it's I've learned from both of you because it's not mm. my wheelhouse what you guys uh, you know, have, have a, a passion to explore and research and mm. we can all learn from each other and, and, and have these kind of great con constructive conversations. So uh, I, yeah. I really appreciate you, you having me on because it's been a good learning experience for me too. Absolutely. Uh, and look, yeah, that's easy. I, I, I can't really sum it up any better than that, boys. I, I really mm. appreciated it. It's everything I thought it would have been. And as I say, you know, I think this, this, I, I have a feeling that this topic's going to move pretty quickly. Uh, so I think maybe we need to pencil them one in and every, you know, once we find out more about the documentary, Grant, make sure you let us know, mate, and we'll come we'll on do. and we'll discuss yeah. that. And, um, you know, Maybe we could have a viewing party. I don't know. We'll try and figure something out there, or you <laughs> mate, know what I mean. I'd I don't love, know. To, love to uh, do, do a viewing uh, party. Yeah, no. Yeah. Or, or happy to jump on with you guys whenever, whenever you're happy to have me come back. So I mean, always mm. happy to share what findings I come up with, information that mm. uh, I'm able to 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 disclose. So yeah, always look forward to having a chat. Awesome, boys, and look, thanks everyone. To I like doing these live ones. I think it's excellent to have the 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 input from the listeners and the and the questions and it, it keeps us keeps us moving and keeps us understanding so thanks everyone to who took the time to comment and uh yeah check out grant's grant stuff i think he's probably going to release this on his channel i'm going to release it on mine and anthony's going to release it on his and it's about that cross promotion and, and and helping each other out and and moving the conversation forward on all angles so awesome boys thank you very much until next time thanks right, thank you Cheers, all the best. thank you Just want to go again? Let's do it. Yeah. Go again. All right. I know you've been here before. 
surprises settle the score. I know the darkness deep inside, reckless rage, poison pride. I know the anger, I know the pain. time is through I know you I know you Wow! Better.